Hello and welcome to the Weird Geeks Horror Show, where every Friday we'll be covering another instalment in a classic horror franchise. Go to weirdgeeks.com and weirdgeeks on iTunes to check out our other podcast series, social medias, Twitch streams, contact details and news on our very own feature films, albums, shorts and more that are currently in production for our publisher, We Are Tessellate. Weird Geeks is not affiliated with any of the rights holders of the film's reference, and no infringement is intended. Geeks! 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 Hello and welcome back to the Weird Geeks Horror Show, where every single Friday we take you for another installment in a classic horror retrospective franchise. I'm your host, Al White, and joining me for a brand new show is Katie Watson. Hello! And newcomer to the horror show, Shannon Hollander. Hi. <laughs> Actually, we'll get to you guys in a second. If you're new to us, hello, welcome. Please head on over to weirdgeeks.com where you can patch out all to all of our previous 12 or 13 horror shows or something. All of our regular shows where we talk about topical games and movie stuff, as well as some Danny Boyle, a Star Wars show, all that fun stuff. I love the random Danny Boyle. He's my favorite. I know. I know. just chucked in there. A failed director retrospective. (laughs) Not failed, just like looking for its audience. Underappreciated, really. Yes. No, definitely. Someone out there is like, I love this Danny Boyle retrospective. It's my favorite. Everybody goes and listens to Danny Boyle or just like tweets at us. If you go to weegeeks.com, you can message us through mail at weegeeks.com or straight through the website. Fuck you at weirdgeeks.com and also through the social medias. If you get in contact with us and say, you know what, guys, I want more director retrospectives then I'll be a happy man. We have a whole list that we want to do. Like each of us who does this has their own special director that they are especially fond of and we don't do anything with it just because Danny Boyle failed so much. But instead, what it feels like we're doing is a very, very slow Jamie Lee Curtis retrospective. (laughs) seems to be (laughs) very much so. (laughs) I think that might be actually what's happening. Mm hmm. Yeah, so please do, and please do support us by going to iTunes and just typing in Weird Geeks. You can find us very quickly with that one on the right of the two girls who look much happier than we do, who are doing very, very well for themselves. Congratulations. You can click on us, subscribe, and rate us. It helps us out immensely because we don't do patrons, we don't do banner ads, and we're not going to try and sell you anything like... Shannon, what could we be trying to sell them? Adult diapers. We're not going to do it? No. Mm -hmm. Parachute sheets like every other podcast ever. <laughs> Those sheets look super comfy though. I am almost I'm almost there. I did nope. buy Brooklinen ones, which are great. I like the one I throw it over to Alex. He tends to think of erectile dysfunctional pills or hair like bold replacements or something. Those you go straight for all adult sound diapers. like personal problems for Alex. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that says about your adult diaper, Shannon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean I like to just be able to pee where I'm sitting. What can I say? True. <laughs> Movies are really it. long these days. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, who the fuck are we? Obviously, you know me, you know Katie. Shannon. Yeah. People might have heard your voice on occasionally mm-hmm. on a normal show. And actually, you were just on this year's big, crazy movies 2018. Yeah, that was epic. Thing. Yeah, which went on for like three days. It was yeah. a saga. But you have always been, you know, lovely and supportive of our podcast, but you don't like the old horror films. I don't. Uh, well, I shouldn't say that I don't like them as much as I've never seen them and everything scares me. So (laughs) I have uh, rightfully avoided them out of, you know, wanting to keep my mental bubble as safe and clean as possible. (laughs) That seems fair enough. enough. So I I was I'm terrified as we go through (laughs) the films. (laughs) 
Okay, so let's reveal then properly what we're doing. So, because we are doing something different. Normally, we'd do a normal franchise, and I got a bit bored of that, and I was looking for an excuse to do something a little bit different to break things up and try something. So, we're trying something here that's we're calling a versus series. Versus. I know. I was just gonna do the same thing. Versus. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the Mortal Kombat. I'm just gonna take voice. that sound bite and yeah. put it in the opening. Yes, yes. please. <laughs> Yeah, so really, it's an excuse for us to go and watch some 80s slasher movies because I love me some fucking 80s slasher movies. Yes. But I like to be comprehensive and I like to focus. So the way we were looking at it was I started looking at how many 80s slasher movies, uh, 80s slasher movies have been remade. And there were actually only uh, nine that if anyone can find it, I mean, and there's a little bit of contingency about what is a slasher and what isn't. I'll get into that in a second. But there were only um, nine of them. Two we'd already covered, the Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the 13th. So if you want to hear our views on that, you can go back. We've covered the originals and the remakes of those. And yeah, at the end of all of this series, we may get into whether or not us three will go through them again in a few months' time because Child's Play is going to be remade at the end of June. So they're kind of like the three heavy hitters. So what you're left with are more of the sort of, I don't want to say failed, but failed franchises. It's jumping off points. Yes, yeah. For a like lot the more, of people. You know, it doesn't mean they might be better films, but you know, the smaller or at least less sort of commercially successful franchises. Now, that means that we're breaking with a normal formula, which would be doing one film per episode. That would have made this 14 fucking episodes. And I'd, some of these films I just didn't want to talk about for two hours long. No. And also, I thought it would be more fun just to kind of battle them out. So we're going to talk about the original film and then a remake. And then we're going to decide on the winner per episode. And then in a wrap up, obviously, we'll, we'll go into, you know, our remakes or originals better. And then which of which was the best versions and our you know, overall thoughts on that stuff. For extra fun, dear old Shannon has some, uh, what's the word? Maybe unfair, maybe accurate projections for what she uh-huh. expects to see in a slasher film. Correct. So you came up with this list. Katie then sort of turned it into this blackout bingo idea. And everything should be bingo. I don't understand why everything I is agree. bingo. I agree. Bingo is the I best think- game ever. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's also excellent for audio listeners because they literally can't see anything. But yes. you've got a huge board behind you right now, Shannon. Oh, it's massive. It's so huge. You're going to be crossing There's, things like, off. sparkly lights and yep. My we board hired a Vanna board. White impersonator. It's pretty mm-hmm. great. Oh, yeah. It's wonderful. Hey, Sloan. That's my Vanna White impersonator. That's her name. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Once I'm going to go through what films are doing and why we're not doing some of the other films that people might be thinking of. And then I'm going to get you. It's an extensive list, obviously, but I'm going to get you to quickly just read through them. Gotcha. So people appreciate what you're considering, something that you would be anticipating to come up in a slasher right. film. And then as Based we go off through of them. no experience whatsoever. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, you've seen Scream before, at least or something? No, I watched Scream in middle school and I had to leave the room during the Drew Barrymore call scene. So at the very I beginning. From the, I don't know. I didn't see the rest of it. I don't know. <laughs> So you have not uh, seen Scream. And we switched it. The only horror movies I had seen before this were were a couple things that you made me watch, Al. And then, You're welcome. And then I watched Blair Witch Project. Wow. And I watched The Descent. And both of those were like Damn. people were physically forcing me to stay in the room. Those are hardcore. Yeah. Those yeah, two. they're hardcore films. Great ones as well. Well, those are intense. Listen, those, I mean, those were scary, but I made it through those. It was Drew Barrymore getting like slashed to mm-hmm. smithereens and scream that I was like, nope, I'm done. So what well, I'm hearing more, yeah. though is like you're attaching more of you in those situations to the scariness because yes. 
as a like a girl or woman similar situation to you where I spend a lot of time in the house by myself it's I have a real issue with home invasion films like I cannot yeah. watch them anything for that anyone I attach- that's listening Katie is located in Canada she's yes. located in <laughs> Canada very very far away and you're in a, you're in a Iceland right now, right? Iceland. Yeah. Yep. I yes. am in Iceland. Yes. That's why yeah. it's raining outside. Yeah. Obviously. Um, I mean, it makes sense. So Slashes yeah. is a perfect one for you to jump onto then. Cause that's, yeah. Like men coming after vulnerable females. basically. Yeah. It's all of yeah. my fears. Yeah. Yes. But lists like what you've made can show you the opposite of what you should be doing. You know, that's, that's, that's very like, true. That is very list. true. You don't do the things on your list and you'll be fine. Yeah, I will show no one my boobs ever. No, don't run around <laughs> in heels and expect to actually get away from anybody. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you well, know. Let's, let's get to the list in a second. Yeah. Okay. All right, I'll quickly say what we're covering so people know that. Then we'll go through your list. Well, actually, no. Then we'll, let's do our normal rigmarole of box office and horror films of the year. And then we'll get to your list and get into the movie. So we're going to be covering this week, The Fog. And then the Fog remake. Now, some of you, because I know we've got some proper horror fans listening who are even more down the rabbit hole than I am, are going to be shouting, wait, this isn't a slasher film. And you're not wrong. However, it ends up on a lot of slasher lists and it's a bone of contention with people. It is meant to be a ghost story and it is a ghost story. Mm -hmm. However, it relies on a lot of slasher tropes. Um, And when the ghosts appear, they operate in slasher fashion, which, well, that's nice, slasher fashion. I like that. Yeah. Uh, um, I just want to start a whole clothing line now called that. Right? Slasher fashion. Ooh, I would Slasher totally buy fashion. that. You would sell that to goths. Hardcore. Oh my God. Which is in part because the director, John Carpenter, obviously a couple of years before, had done Halloween. So I chose to put the fog on here. One, because I think there's quite a lot to talk about. Two, because even though it's not a purebred slasher, I do think it falls into the slasher trope veins more than some of these others even, but we'll see when we get there. The next week we're going to Prom Night and the Prom Night remake. Then we're doing Mother's Day and the Mother's Day remake. Mm. Which to be clear, I've seen all of these films, many of them multiple times. Mother's Day is the only one I haven't seen either of them. Ooh. I have seen bits of Mother's Day one, and I was looking for an excuse not to keep it on this list, but we like to be comprehensive, which means we have to do films. I think Mother's Day is going to be quite icky, uh, just to prepare you guys. That's going to be... Right. What do you mean by some- icky? uncomfortable situations particularly right. for females maybe right. oh, no, <laughs> we'll get right. there. i can't wait then we're going to be doing my bloody valentine and the my oh. bloody valentine remake oh. we're going to be doing house on sorority row and then sorority row remake yes i am silent here for night, those silent night deadly night getting some christmas horror in and then silent night the remake and then finishing with april fool's day and the April Fool's Day remake. Now, we're doing these in the order that they're released, which means the first three weeks are actually all in 1980, I believe. And we're missing nothing other than, again, the big ones, Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday 13th, and Child's Play. The two that nearly were on this list, but weren't. Number one is The Hitcher. It's not technically a slasher film. I was looking for an excuse to get this one on the list because The Hitcher is legitimately one of my favorite midnight movies of all time. It's really good. And yeah, that has a remake as well done by Platinum Dunes, but it doesn't belong on this list really. So I've taken it off. You could call it a slasher. I know some people are a bit more free with the term slasher. I, I'm lo- we're looking for like, you know, yeah, American 80s slashers, typically masked villains, you know, with stabby, stabby things chasing a whole bunch of teenagers around. And then Terror Train. Now, Terror Train is another, it's the trifecta of Jamie Lee Curtis slasher films. She did, well, Halloween originally, and then she did The Fog, Promenade, and Terror Train, 
all in the same period of time. I would love an excuse to talk about Terror Train. It is a slasher film for sure. However, the remake got completely fucked around. It went on for many years and eventually turned into this film, I think with Thora Birch, just called Train. But because of legal issues, I believe, they had to remove everything to do with Terror Train from it. So the only similarity is it's on a train, but it's not actually a remake. So I had to think about it a while and decided it shouldn't be on this list because it's not a true remake. It's something that they tried to remake and then they got in trouble and changed it all. And it became a whole different film. So they're the ones we're going to do. That's why we're not doing some of those other ones. And I'm just excited because I love watching 80s slashes films. They're pretty much the best. I mean, it's been interesting. (laughs) (laughs) When we were, um, I mean, and look, we're having to go with what has had remakes. So that doesn't mean in any way these are the best 80s slasher films. These are just the ones that have been remade. (laughs) (laughs) I think from the list we just said, that's obvious. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. There are, I mean, look, I could say if you say from the weeks we've got ahead, there are some funny films. There are some icky films. There are some genuinely really good films. And there are some genuinely really bad films. I mean, so. just judging by like the DVD boxes on these films, it it, it is <laughs> it is a grab bag. <laughs> it, is, it is all over the place. It's one of the things I love about 80 slashes though, is like if you get those original painted covers for them, so many of them, even terrible ones, like I'm not a big fan of the initiation, but it's got this fucking great cover to it. And and was it Bloody Birthday? Like they have some really cool cover ideas for stuff. But yeah, potentially not in the boxes that you got yeah no not so much all right so that's what we're doing let's get into we like to look at the landscape of things we're talking about 1980 here with the original fog who's doing the gross shannon i am worldwide box office gross well thank you well so for the top 10 in the worldwide box office of 1980 i think there are a couple standouts that are in the top 20 that didn't make it to the top 10 so i'll start with those Caddyshack is number 20 Ooh, in 1980. Um, really? Worldwide I box office of almost 40 million, 39 million. And Damn. what is very funny is that Cheech and Chong's next movie is 19. <laughs> so it did better than Caddyshack, which is hilarious to me. I can believe that at the time. Yeah. yeah I thought Cheech and Chong were huge at the time, whereas Caddyshack was this kind of like wild horse that kind yeah. of grew. That's true. That's true. I guess Caddyshack has become like this cult thing, whereas in Cheech and Chong, you know, who gives a crap anymore? Everybody knew Cheech and Chong at the time, yeah. That's because you needed Um, to be high to appreciate the dancing groundhog at the very beginning. I mean, but you needed to be high to appreciate Cheech and Chong as well. I know, but people didn't know that they needed to be high for Caddyshack until later. Oh, that is an important point. Yeah. <laughs> so it wasn't like, oh, until later that you're in, co- in your college dorm room watching Caddyshack stoned out of your mind with like a Philly cheesesteak in your lap that you're like, this is the best movie ever. I mean, that's really the only way to watch Caddyshack, I feel yeah. like. Yeah. This might explain why I don't love Caddyshack. <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> uh, and then number 18, you know, a masterpiece uh, to some, The Shining is yes. number 18, yeah. just edging some. out Cheech and Chong at 44 million. <laughs> Dang. Can you, I mean, would you That's not have been crazy. a bit pissed if Cheech and Chong had beaten The Shining? Oh. <laughs> yeah, Katie, this is crazy. one of your favorite horror films. I love it. Yeah, it's a Kubrick classic. Like, yeah. Kubrick classic. Yeah. Slash of fashion. All right. Uh, what's in the top 10 then, Shannon? And now the top 10. So at number 10, we have Friday the 13th. Grossing $59,754,601. Wow. Number nine. Whole bunch of money. Yeah, whole bunch of money. 
Just so you know, you don't have to read out the amount each time unless it's tickling you. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> you can. No, you can. <laughs> nah, it's, it's not very necessary. <laughs> <laughs> I like hearing you say numbers. And then uh, number nine is Smokey and the Bandit 2. Nice. That was a two. Number eight, one of my personal favorites, a coal miner's daughter, the Loretta Lynn story, starring Sissy Spacek, which she won an Oscar for. Do you I've heard to- of this. I've never seen it. Because I was a coal miner's daughter. <laughs> Yeah, that's like the is song. Is she singing it or is that just you singing? No, that's the it's the song. It's based the Loretta Lynn story, if I remember correctly. It's It was a beautiful movie. My mom loves it. I had to watch it a lot as a kid. Country kid. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Moving on. Number seven, Private Benjamin. Uh, number six, Any Which Way You Can. Oh. And then number five, Airplane. Nice. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. One of the greatest. Oh, Leslie number Nielsen. F- I know. Someone we're going to begin to next week. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, yeah. Uh, Number four, Mad Max. Number three, Stir Crazy. Number two, another movie musical-ish, Nine to Five. Oh, my God. It's so good. From Dolly Parton. The nine to five. What a way to make a living. Come on. Come on. God, am I the only one that knows Thank Which you. is a very Thank difficult you. song to karaoke. I don't like amateurs should not just step up and think they can rock that song. You will be out of breath so quickly. Oh, yeah. yeah, she Dolly has is got amazing. Pipes. Yeah, she Dolly is pipes. amazing. And then we had very, we had very different childhoods. <laughs> well, obviously, England. No Dolly Parton. That's, and then that's for travesty. number one, 1980, Star Wars Episode Five: Whoa! The Empire Strikes Back. Dying. There it is. Of course. Yep. It grossed five hundred and thirty-four million a hundred and sixty-one thousand three hundred and thirty-four dollars worldwide. Get it. Did all right. Did all right for itself. Yep. Thank you very much, Shannon. That was illuminating. You're Katie, what horror films were we launching into in nineteen eighty? We are looking at some pretty great ones. Some just mentioned by the lovely Shannon. Of course. Mm. The Changeling. Okay. Obviously, Friday the 13th. Humanoids mm. from the Deep. What a oh, great title. I just watched this recently. It's it's terrible and it's fantastic. <laughs> Lots of men, I presume men, in like big old rubber... Is this the right one? Is that human? Yeah, it is. In big old like rubber suits coming out of the ocean and then just grabbing women and their tops just fall off. <laughs> if if just, you were oh. to give me the title of that film and say, what do you think this movie is about? I would have said that exact line. So I'm glad. Yeah. I think it's, it's that one. On could I think, could they're trying to impregnate the women, I think, with fish babies. Or right. Oh, of weird. course. Right. What else would you do to women? <laughs> That's all that we're good for. Yeah. Fish babies. Fish yeah, babies. Yeah, fish babies. I mean, turned on its head in Shape of Water, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Is Shape of Water really the remake to that? It, yeah. kind <gasps> of is. Mind blown. We, we figured out Guillermo del Toro's secret plan. Yep. Yep. We got it. Maniac. Mm. Motel Hell. Such a good title. Just to be clear, actually, Maniac had a remake as well. That's sort of a slasher film, but not really. But it also, I think, what's the original hand? Let me just double check. Oh. We might be adding things on here, you guys. No, 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 because it doesn't. I don't consider Maniac a true, well, particular. Well, actually, no, I guess it. I mean, uh, technically it was 1980, but. Al is at this moment hemming and hawing. Well, I don't consider. I know some people very much do consider Maniac a slasher film. You can listen um, to I it don't. There's certain like serial killer films, which I don't think are the same as slasher films. If you okay. have an opinion on this, you can tweet him. And Mr. Yeah, Al but White. also it's our it's our podcast, so do your own fucking podcast. We'll do what the hell we want. 
We have rules, but they're made to be broken, people. (laughs) (laughs) We want to hear your input, but also, fuck you, we don't want to hear your input. But also, shut up. (laughs) It's it's very close, it's borderline, I understand the argument. It's not what I consider a slash film that we're trying to cover. So So, yeah, Terror Train, just discussed. It's a really good movie. If you haven't seen Terror Train, you should go watch it. I actually really like Terror Train. Can you believe, so so this is in one year, Jamie Lee Curtis had the fog, Terror Train promo. Girl was busy. What a year. She yep. was like, you know a little film called Halloween? I was like amazing in it, so I should be in all of your slasher films now. Basically. Prom Night was also this 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 year. A little yep. film we'll get into. New Year's Evil. Great title. Yes. Oh yeah. Mother's Day, Prom Night, The Shining. Yeah. All the things. All the good ones. All the things. So we're really hitting then it we're we're getting into the slasher world. So to be clear, Halloween had been uh, nineteen seventy eight and Slasher boom then takes off and obviously it takes a couple of years for copycats to come out because that's just how the system works. When you're talking about making movies, you need yep. a good couple of years to get them done. And yeah, into that, you're about to get into like we're beyond proto slashes, we're into true slashes and John Carpenter has returned to do the fog, which I think he did a TV movie in between these. Hang on. I did so much research for this stuff and then there's still little things. So I'm like, oh, fuck, I forgot to look that up. Could I just presume I know everything about John Carpenter? And then sometimes I'm like, you yeah, know. I know he that. just had a birthday. He did, didn't he? Yesterday, yeah. I believe it was. Yeah. I just <laughs> what I did. <laughs> so yeah, Halloween. Yeah, he did Someone's Watching Me, which is his TV movie. And he did Elvis as a TV movie. And then he did The Fog. So yeah, this was his next cinematic follow-up to Halloween. Uh, so Halloween to come out, it took several months for it to build word of mouth to become the record-breaking hit that it was. And then in November, December of that year, John was offered a two-picture deal with a company called Avco Embassy. So John, uh, he really wanted to make Escape from New York, but people obviously wanted more horror from him. Um, so he wrote The Fog, and at this point, like he had already started writing it, and Halloween hadn't become that successful, and then suddenly it blew up by the time the screenplay was written. So he wasn't really influenced by that pressure as he was writing the first draft of The Fog, but he was when he was filming it, of doing a proper follow-up to Halloween. Uh, he really wanted to make an old-fashioned ghost story, and he based the plot on a true incident that took place in Santa Barbara, or Santa Barbara. What? Barbara. Based on a true incident? Well, there were no ghosts or lepers, mm-hmm. but there was, um, was a man this with a thing hook to do with this ship. was very grumbly. That, yeah, I believe there was this sort of, like, con to do with this ship back then, which had sunk and it had gold or something. Oh, I don't know. Something mm. like that. Like, it, it was a, there was a kernel of the original idea, and then he added it, all this subterfuge and stuff to it. Gotcha. Yeah, and he wanted to write something, and that was a bit about the glorious corruption of the thieves and outlaws of America. That was kind of his perspective on things. Okay. So, Deborah, Now, Shannon, you don't know much about John Carpenter, I'm wagering. Uh, uh, nope, I do not. Deborah Hill is his producer, uh, well, one of his producers and his writing partner. She had written Halloween with him. He had written spooky stuff. She had written the female dialogue in there. She was also his girlfriend. Hello. What? They were sleeping together. Well, she was his girlfriend. I know, that's what I said. She was also his girlfriend. Anymore by this point. It would be weird Um, if they were still girlfriend, boyfriend right now. Unless they just didn't want to get married. No judgment. Sort of. Him and Deborah are broken up by this point. They would go on to write three more films together, including The Fog. However, he was, at this point, just married to Adrian Barbro, who plays Stevie in this film. Oh. So it was a very interesting Whoa. dynamic on set. A hussy. Foxy lady. Jamie Lee Curtis, who was obviously friends with both, said it was kind of like being around your divorced parents when they're treating each other nicely, but there's a weird, weird air because the producer, like Deborah, his ex-girlfriend, is giving... Producer instructions to his new wife and all of this stuff. 
awkward. Yeah. Can you imagine like John Carpenter just being like, so make that voice sexier. Yeah, make that yeah. radio voice sexier. <laughs> <laughs> so we got some, uh, yeah, he was inspired by old ghost story films, some comic books, obviously love H.P. Lovecraft, and a trip to Stonehenge, Katie. Which apparently when they got there was covered in fog. <gasps> and it gave them the initial idea for this. And also, Katie, one of our favorite films that we've already covered, <gasps> Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. I noticed Mr. Tom Atkins running around in this. I, saw, I, I see you. I see you. So yeah, that trip really gave, gave them a lot. <sighs> Did it? I think it might have taken away some things as well. So the it film had a $1 million dollar budget. Also, be a also gave them show. Season of the Witch. For anyone who's listening going, hang on, your show's normally overrun. How are you going to cover two films in one show? Yeah. No, it's going to be a nightmare. <laughs> We're going to pick up speed. Don't worry. Yeah. yeah. We're going to yeah. get there. So this is the first episode. Take some time. And we might change things second episode. Fair warning to people. <laughs> they got $1 million budget for this, which compared to the 320000 for Halloween was a nice hike up. And this film made $21.5 million domestic alone. Nice. Um, so had a good haul from that $1 million I've realized just now I haven't done the cast and crew. We'll get to them in a second. I normally do that first. Whatever. They found uh, the lighthouse. That was a really important location for them with the radio station. The lighthouse it's is in Inverness up mm-hmm. in North California. I believe it's still there if people want to go Ooh, visit it. Ooh, we should take a road trip. I would totally yeah, do stunning. that. That lighthouse looks baller. It was awesome. Absolutely stunning. Uh, they shot in North California, in Point Reyes and Inverness, very close to where the birds was shot. Nice. So they actually did a scene there. And John Carpenter loved it there so much, he actually ended up buying a house. Point Reyes what? is amazing. It has a combination of all of my favorite things. You have like middle of nowhere bars, but you also have this great community feeling. There's great oysters. And then uh, Cowgirl Creamery is up there. And you get Ooh. wine. So you can get like oysters, cheese, and wine. All in one place. Oh. And tartine started up there. So you get bread. That sounds amazing. Let's go in here. It's like the world's happiest place. And it's beautiful. And it's beautiful. And Otherwise it's pirates, it be. obviously. And it's pirates. And pirates. Well, this is the way. Oh, okay, we'll get there in a sec. Despite the low budget, John decided to use you know a good little chunk of it to make sure he had he could shoot an anamorphic widescreen panel vision, um, and that's one of the film reasons this film has a sort of grander feel to it. Like it does feel quite cinematic mm-hmm. because of the way he chose to use his his. I mean, one million was quite a lot back there. Obviously, to inflation, it was quite a bit more, but um, not not loads of money. And despite the one million dollar budget, Avco Embassy spent three times that on advertising and promoting the film. Oh, uh, the wow. studio even installed fog machines in the lobbies of selected cinemas. Yes, <laughs> incredible. So they went to fucking so town cool. on this. So yeah, what I should have done before, directed by John Carpenter, of course, written by John Carpenter and Deborah Hill, scored, of course, by John Carpenter. DP, Dean Kundi. This is the same DP who did Halloween, would go on to do Apollo 13, The Parent Trap, Jurassic Park, <gasps> Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Hook. Like, this is a serious Dang, fucking DP. Who, buddy. Yeah. Amazing. Great stuff in the 90s. Look at that resume. Mm-hmm. Starring Adrian Barbeau as Stevie Wayne. This was actually her first feature film, unsurprisingly. Mm, that seems accurate. Had, had she only done adult her... films before this? <laughs> I know. I love if she like, wasn't, the she was wasting her talent. I'll tell you what. Mm. She would go on to be in Escape from New York, also from Joan Carpenter. She'd go on to be in Argo. Uh, she was in Carnivale. Do you remember that TV show? Oh, yeah. I like that TV show. I think we and watched she is two the, episodes. She does a lot of video game voiceovers she's the overseer in fallout 76 which came out recently oh cool. we have jamie lee curtis returning as elizabeth Woo-hoo! Soli. 
because she felt she owed John Carpenter a lot. Obviously, he kind of created her career with Halloween. We have Janet Lee, Jamie Lee Curtis's yes. mother, psycho herself as Kathy Williams. Now, this is her third highest role. If you go on IMDb right really? now, this is like her third most popular role. There. Oh, wow. Uh, John Hausman as Mr. Machen. Machen? I don't know. He was in Three Days at a Condor, The Paper Chase, Rollerball, and he died in 1988. He was a producer for Orson Welles. Oh, wow. Uh, Tom Atkins as Nick Castle. He was also in Escape from New York. He was in Halloween 3, of course. Night of the Creeps. We're going to be talking about him again in a few weeks' time in My Bloody Valentine. This is a guy, this is a sort of B-movie actor that is much beloved by the horror community. (sighs) <sighs> and you can hear my and Katie and Allison's and Justin's take on him in Halloween 3 by going back into our vaults. I'm sensing a, a theme with him with sleeping with very young girls. That's all I'm going to say. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes. Did you notice he's called Nick Castle, Katie, in this? No. Nick Castle is the actor who originally played The Shape or Michael Myers in the first Halloween. Oh. oh. So his character is named after that guy. There's a lot of Halloween little Easter eggs in this, I've noticed. Yeah. So James I Cannon. none is- of that. <laughs> James Cannon as Dick Baxter, um, where Shannon might know him from MASH. Oh, I do. <laughs> there you go. I do. That is 100% what I know him from. <laughs> then we have Nancy Loomis Woo-hoo! as Sandy Fadal. Annie! She's also in Halloween, Halloween 3, and Assault on Precinct 13. A whole bunch of John Carpenter movies. She's like my one of my favorite characters in Halloween. She's so great. Yeah, she's great in Halloween. Hal Holbrook as Father Malone. He was in Into the Wild, Lincoln, All the President's Men, uh, Waking the Dead, like loads of loads of stuff. And Charles Cyphers as Dan O'Bannon, who was in Halloween, Assault on Precinct 13, and Major League. Yeah. The film was shot in 30 days. What? That's impressive. Yeah, yeah especially for so, back then. There's a yeah. lot going on in well, this film. Yeah. Okay. So again, we're going to try, we're at normal timing right now. We're about half an hour in and we've done our intro. So we're going to get into this movie. We're going to try and get through this quicker than normal, but we're going to definitely give more time to the originals than the remakes, because obviously a lot of the story is replicated. And I think there's just a bit more to say about them. I was going to say we've introed one movie. <laughs> yeah. So Katie, you've seen this one before though, just to clarify. Yes, I have. I've seen this and the remake before. Oh, you've seen a remake of this before. Uh-huh. I watched it with you. Okay. I'm glad you remember. Wow. Oh, yeah, because I just picked Real up the memorable. remake of The Fog on my own and was like, I'll watch no. this today. We would have watched The Mist. I haven't seen the remake of this since I saw it at the cinema. Because mm. we'll get to it later in this podcast, but I do not return to the remake of this because I hated it that much at the cinema. There's no way yeah. I would have watched the remake of this on my own. And I've definitely mm. seen it before. What? Well, uh, you guys are crazy. The remake is amazing. We'll get there. Um, <laughs> all right. But anyway. The Fog, 1980, opening music, immediately so damn fucking moody. Now, I'm just going to say it straight off the bat. We've got this opener from Edgar Allan Poe, is all that we see or seem but a dream within a dream. Ooh, Al, before we start, I'm going to remind you, do you want me to go through my list? Oh, fuck yeah. Jesus Christ. Slow. This is going to be the longest Get show ever. Slow in this is going to be longer than our best 2018 movies. Better <laughs> not be. It literally What are you going to be. be looking for, Shannon? Uh, what did you say? Sorry. What are we going to be looking out for okay. in these slasher This tropes? is my list without any uh, knowledge at all, (laughs) just hearsay of slasher movie tropes, that the virgin lives, the slut Mm -hmm. dies, Mm -hmm. someone dies in the midst of or directly before sex. I would also say Mm -hmm. directly after sex too, just around the sex Around the perimeter of having sex. Right. A person of color dies first. Oh no, the phones are dead, (laughs) just randomly. (laughs) The power goes out. There's a, I'm hiding in the closet POV shot. 
either like from the killer or from the person hiding, like the victim. We see the killer in the mirror, like that classic. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. They run further into the house rather than outside to fucking safety. It's smart. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. like counterintuitive. But what if the fuck's outside? Yeah. (sighs) They just randomly run out of gas. I can tell you I've never run out of gas in my entire life, but in horror movies, I think people just tend to run out of gas. I have, actually, about three times. Car- but, cars um, are older, you know, at some point, and... Does that include a car not starting, or is that coming later? Uh, that, comes, that comes later. I, okay. I also have a stalled car, so there you go. you're kind of, like, covered on both things. Then just boobs. Yes. Uh, yeah. Boobs. Yes. Hiding under the bed. It's a dark and stormy night, slash, like, the misty, foggy street, which, like, for the fog is not even fair, but, you know. Sure. But, it's, hey, it's a trope, and they're it using it, so... It's their whole a needless thing. shower scene. Well, are they ever needless? <laughs> I mean, Everyone I guess they should shower clean some way. We're <laughs> yeah. including male and female in that, or is that oh, just yeah, a female? Oh, yeah, 100%. I think if yeah. you're just in a shower, I'm counting it, because there's no yeah. reason to show that. We're not okay. going to watch people eating, but we're going to watch you showering. So right. I'm hoping for Tom Atkins naked in the shower. Yeah, Ugh, nobody ever no. eats. <sighs> a shot of blood just slowly going down the drain. <laughs> yes. <laughs> A psycho ripoff, then. Yeah, uh, the insinuation that drinking and partying gets you killed. I mean, it's not—it's just a fact, but sure. It's true. Right. All of a sudden, a whole campus or a town or a typically busy area is just deserted. Like there's no one home. Uh, revenge of the nerd, either as the killer or the hero. Like either okay. the nerd is the one—the one that was picked on—is now killing people, or they're the one that saved the saves the day. The playful scares, the fake scares mm-hmm. that yeah. aren't real. Someone just dicking around. Right. I just put religious imagery, which is broad, but like religious imagery. Okay. Well, uh, let's just say in particular, yeah, like a, a statue or a cross or something like that. Right. Right. A foreboding story that literally gives the movie away. Mm-hmm. It's like a, like a uh, what, do, what do we call them? Exposition dump. <laughs> a thingy bobsayer. No, fuck with oh, doomsayer. Oh, a doomsayer. Oh, yes. Yeah. That's what they called in slash films. And then just like the shots of it being a full moon. Okay. <laughs> just cut away and it's a full moon. Yeah. Is that it? Yeah, that's it. That seems a fair list. So just to be clear, we kind of like curated this idea after we'd already watched these two. So we're going to be, as we go through it, you're going to see how many of those you're going to be able to tick off. We might have missed something, obviously. Yeah. But in the future, from next week, you'll be watching these films with that list out, ticking them off as we go through. For so each film or for overall? For each film. Okay. Yeah. So at the end of each film, we can say like how many it got close got yeah. to a blackout. Yeah. Of being the perfect Slash a trope in Shannon's. Being a complete cliche. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, exactly. I, you know, and to be fair, like as even just watching The Fog and stuff, I'm like, oh man, there's a bunch that I, these are definitely tropes that I did not include in the list because I had no mm-hmm. idea. So there's a bunch no, of things that are missing from that list for sure. No, 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 no. But this isn't about what slasher tropes are. This is about what someone who does not what slasher films think that their tropes would be. And then you're coming into it. So that's right. why it's interesting. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. So, yeah, we've had uh, Edgar Allan Poe. I mean, you didn't have that down. Some pretentious uh, I did not. quote. <laughs> I was very beginning. surprised to see we're starting this film with an Edgar Allan Poe quote. I was like, ooh, artsy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wasn't it Hellraiser so, that had one of them had like three <laughs> quotes at the beginning yes. of it? It was yes, crazy. It was. Like the first five minutes of that film was like, quote, then pause. And, then I, think, quote, and I think then the third pause. quote is actually from Pinhead, isn't it? Or yes, something ridiculous yes. like that. Oh, my God. It's all coming back. So good. So what I was going to say straight off the bat is unashamedly, I mean, this is one of my favorite opening scenes in horror history. What? Like, I love this opening scene so much. 
and I love I love everything about it. And so th- there were a bunch of reshoots for this movie. Uh, they shot it. It wasn't long enough. And as we'll get to at the end, John Carpenter looked at the film was like, and he was talk- he's very candid. God bless him. He's just like, it was bad. Like it was just Aww. a bad movie. Um, and they had to go back and do a whole bunch of reshoots and add things in and make things simpler and make things make more sense and add some more horror into it. And this was one of the things they added was this story at the beginning, mm. um, which is strange because for me, it's one of my, it's just for me, a perfect midnight B-movie beginning is you with this old guy, sailor, on the beach, or they were actually in a set with just blackout curtains behind them. Right. With some kids sitting around him who are just like, he's telling this highly inappropriately just ghoulish fucking yeah. story. Um, and they're five minutes to midnight and he's explaining about a uh, hundred years ago, there was a fog and this ship that thought this light from a fire uh, on the beach was actually the lighthouse crashed and it was the Elizabeth um, and it sunk. And then the fog lifted and never came back again. But it's told by the fishermen that when the fog returns to Antonio Bay, the men of the Elizabeth Dame will return and search for vengeance. Story and that's, all the that's story literally giving the whole movie away. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so you can tick one of your things through. Yeah. I mean, there is, there's a twist to it later that we'll get to. Yeah. But yes, it's giving. It's letting you know what's going to happen. And then, the, and then the, the clock starts ringing and we get this wonderful like pan shot coming out of the earth and you got like silhouetted trees and branches in the foreground right. and then the beach in the background and then the title comes up and i'm fucking in like, i'm just yes. i love this score and i love the cinematography and i love the mood and i love this old man <laughs> <laughs> see i enjoyed it like i didn't not like it but i found the old man very difficult to understand he had like such weird emphasis on different on certain words it was just was it that he's British? Is that what's throwing you off? Uh, maybe. Maybe that's what it was. I don't know. And I was like, why can't we tell stories after midnight? I don't understand. Because <laughs> the kids got to go home. That's their curfew. They got to go to sleep. I guess. Midnight. I don't know. I was like, this bed. captain, he needs an, uh, an Oscar for awkward emphasis because it was strange to me. <laughs> Did you not grow well, up with so- alcoholics, Shannon? Because I could understand him perfectly. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not that I couldn't understand, though. I, I just was like, he's not a good storyteller, <laughs> which How is his one you. job. I just he had looked a lot him up of children, well, very was, captivated. Um, but he was born in Romania, but raised in England and then emigrated to America. So he's actually not really British. But anyway, wow. <laughs> faker. No, I fucking love this. Like, honest to God, like, this is one of my favorite openings. It's perfect for me for what a B-movie should feel like, which is small, but still cinematic. And it's something that... John Carpenter is very good at is particularly in Halloween and, and here is like he does make these things feel cinematic and it's partly those decisions he he really understands lenses he really understands just allowing a scene to work and it's something I think I'm going to be talking about a lot as we go through this week by week is the difference between the originals and remakes is how fucking skittish we all became as directors and editors mm. as time went by yeah and how in the 80s they allowed a scene they had faith in the shot and faith in the actors, you know? Yeah. And it's, and it's something I really enjoy with this film, at least at this point, is this sort of pacing and these long shots. We see John Carpenter himself in a little cameo, which he said he'd never do again because he hated it, where he's uh, in the church quitting for the night and he's talking to Father Malone. That's him? Oh. That's John He Carpenter. has the most amazing hair I've ever seen on a man. <laughs> he does. The most amazing hair. He does. He's oh very my looking. god, that man! I have a whole new <laughs> respect for him now. <laughs> That's incredible. And then Stevie Wayne is playing on the radio with her sultry, sultry voice. Yeah. 
but believably sultry, right? Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, we'll get there in the remake, but this seems right for a sexy, like, late night radio show. For sure. Yeah, it didn't. I just, you know, the difference between her radio voice and her actual voice was, like, so stark to me. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, okay, lady. <laughs> I kind of like that. Like, she has her radio voice. Yeah. And so on. Yeah, the priest is dodging. Uh, I love this. He's dodging the question from John Carpenter about pay. Oh, that was one of my favorite little... lines where he's like, Father, yeah. can yeah. I get paid? He's like, why don't you come in at six instead of yeah. four tomorrow? It's <laughs> a definite so middle finger great. to the church. It's a great dialogue. I love um, the and then out of nowhere, just like boozing it up. It's a good yeah. Catholic priest. He's just like sipping wine all night long. <laughs> they wanted Christopher Lee for this guy. Um, and I'm happy they didn't get him. I like this guy because he seems more ordinary. I find Christopher Lee is obviously up to something yeah this is right. a good priest um, yeah yeah i like this priest. priest and then a rock falls from the wall out of nowhere and he finds a hidden journey journal from father patrick malone from 1880 so one of his ancestors accompanied by very upbeat jazz music it was very conflicting to the scene but yeah. i actually really appreciated it that made it creepier that's the thing yeah. it's like yeah you like the juxtaposition of music makes things creepier yes i really appreciate it so I also love that Stevie Wayne's sultry voice is chatting us through this entire opening montage as we kind of meet different characters. And she's yeah. kind of joining everything together before we get to her. I really love it. Honest to God, like the introducing of characters, introduction of characters throughout this opening is fucking perfect for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's very smart writing. And I actually think that this is a better written film than Halloween. <gasps> I do. Like, Old I work. think what they do with the script, and that doesn't mean it's a better film or better directed or better whatever, you know, but the writing of it is very, very smart. I think how they bring all these characters together at the beginning. We're in this sort of little Dawson's Creek style town. And then, yeah, again, it's just very slow, We but also quick, you know, we're moving through things quickly, but it is a nice pace with payphones start ringing. They start shooting out change. Things start shaking in a convenience store. We get a gas pump that flips and starts just pumping out gas. Car lights and horns come on. I learned that San Pellegrino water was imported in America by 1980 already because it's all stacked up there. In the I yeah. noticed the same thing, uh, but also Pellegrino labels have not changed since the 80s. They're like, yeah. we're sticking with this forever. They looked That's exactly right. the same. But yeah, there's this very creepy mood being set, but without yeah. it being sensationalist. Yeah, you know, I was like, scared from the beginning with, with, nice. with just them setting this up because I was like, oh, something's going to jump out. Something's going to jump out. Something's going to jump out. <laughs> so, you know, John Carpenter got me. <laughs> but it's not like this over the top it's not shouting at you it's yeah. like very low key and i really really appreciate that um then yeah nancy loomis she gets some poltergeist moments in her home mm-hmm. i don't think i picked up it was her or all my previous watchings but paying attention like oh yeah they're like really setting up every character yeah. in little ways and then yeah even at this point we then we think we're out of the opening credits and we cut to this wide shot with the with the coastline and we see a car driving down and as soon as the beam of headlights come from the car we get atkins name comes up on screen and that's meant to be him yeah like driving in towards town um it's all just it's thought through you know mm-hmm. and then he picks up jamie lee what the fuck she's doing in the pitch black no one knows no one knows she's no. just you know walking the streets literally in the middle of the night <laughs> it's terrifying there's no reason to have a torch or anything no she yeah, weighs like nothing. 94 pounds dripping wet if she got hit by a car even clipped by a side view mirror she would be done for <laughs> yeah i mean that's even the thing it's like she's walking down the street pitch black uh i guess five minutes or we're at midnight by this point and mm-hmm. she could just be hit by a car like not even that like something scary needs to happen but no. like nah just like practically girl you're yeah. gonna die yep yep, yep, yep. safer come on yeah 
Come on, where what? is your mother? And then she gets in and asks Atkins if he's weird, and he says, yes, I am, and they immediately bond, which yeah. I yeah. quite like. Yeah. But she's immediately flirty she's, when she's like, we'll, she we'll is, see how the oh, night yeah. goes. Thick, laying on <laughs> she that is, thick charm. Yeah, 100%. She's it, like, the subtext is, give me a, lo- uh, give me a ride, I'll give you a blowjob. Like, that yeah. is 100% yeah. the subtext. Yeah. Definitely. She's like, you know what really turns me on is when men in old Ford trucks drink beer while driving and yeah. are driving me around. Yeah, the drinking <laughs> and driving. Great. I was like, okay, 1980. My mom, so full disclosure, my mom used to do this with us in the car and then throw oh, the Jesus. can out the window and say that oh, it was Jesus. helping the environment because she was helping other people recycle. Wow. I don't even begin to make sense. Yep. I love that. I but love, at the no, time, I was like, there. wow. She's putting the can out into the world so that someone can find it and people. collect five cents. Yeah. That's exactly what her reasoning was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Fucking hell. Yeah. All right. So we get a first sort of proper scare. Something smashes through the driver window and then lights and radio flicker in and out. I like that. They don't go outside to investigate. They don't right? go to like, he's just, he's just literally like, let's get the fuck out of here. Yeah. <laughs> they just get out. Well, and all the windows blow and like, there's not a scratch on anyone. Everyone's just fine. No. <laughs> yeah. No yeah, one got glass in their eye. Like, I feel like if that were to happen to me, I'd be like, oh my God, it's everywhere. Like it's not in her hair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is a miracle because her hair is very feathered. It's Fantastic. Yeah, it's like it's a little cloud feathered. on her head. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. So we finally get introduced to Stevie in her lighthouse radio station. She's chatting to her weather guy who's flirting with her. And the weatherman. Yeah. There's a trawler about 15 miles out and you can see a fog bank moving in their direction. Really, I I love this. I just love the building here. Like, I really do. I think it's great, great building of of the environment and all these different characters. Because there's a lot of people in this film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then that gives us a perfect segue. Like he talks about that and the boat and that gives us a segue then out to the boat. Mm-hmm. And the film's just naturally passing the torch to each character. Yeah. yeah. And I love this moment. They're like, there's no fog bank it's out there. Oh, I love Shannon it so was laughing much. so hard at this guy. It's so good. Because he's just holding a beer and he's just talking <laughs> yeah. out the side of his mind. He's like, what the fog no bank? Fog there's no on. fog bank out there. And then he's like, hey. There's a fog break. <laughs> yeah. So great. I love it so much. It's so good. It's really good. There's like little bits of humor in here. I don't know. It's a good mood. Uh, and then the fog bank takes out the generator and they see a huge old fucking clipper ship. So we call them clipper ships? Yeah. 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 Why not? Looks like a pirate ship. And this is the thing. I keep noting them as pirates. I've always thought of them as pirates, but they're not pirates. Yeah, no, they're at not. All. I mean, they're lep- there's a leper colony. Yeah, they were just settlers like yeah and they're in these bandages and stuff because yeah of it. it's like yeah yeah so they're not pirates ghost, they're just ghost slippers they were just people looking for a place to call home yeah yep. technically if you look at the definition like of pirates the people who are on land are the pirates exactly Boom. Exactly. definitely did some pillaging uh yeah this big old ship goes past them in a the fog and they see silhouetted figures on it i love it like really nice like they're spooky at this point these characters yeah me. yeah um, and then we get into, yeah, where the slasher tropes are coming in, which is something which a lot of this may have been added in later. I'm not sure. Yeah. I don't think you necessarily need this stuff. Like we have the ghost like literally opening slidey doors in wonky fashion. Right. But, and I don't know if I need to see them yet, to be honest. I would have been happy with just like seeing them see this ship, seeing the shock. And then when we come back later, we find them dead, you know, building that suspense of what killed them. I think I would have enjoyed more than this immediate, okay, we know, we don't know what's going on, but we know what the baddies are you know right mm-hmm. but i'm fine with it i don't hate it now 
by this point, Jamie Lee Curtis has already slept with Atkins. Oh, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's been 20 minutes, so. <laughs> they didn't even know each other's name. No. No. They sleep with each other. I like that little <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. It's a great little note. Oh, my God. It's um, so good. I have it written down here. Jamie Lee Curtis and I'll slip with Atkins. And looking at her art, I can hear Shannon exclaiming, what? from continents away uh, i mean that's pretty accurate <laughs> uh, or i think it was more like yeah let's get you some <laughs> so you two are watching these together so i've written down little notes for what i think each of you might have exclaimed that <laughs> <laughs> i really here's the thing it's ridiculous but i i do actually like the dynamic between them in this film yeah it's pretty like, i think they have an interesting dynamic yeah they're- the only thing that makes it weird is Jamie Lee Curtis is 21 at this point and he's 44. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there he is a younger lady age difference. Like, it is stark between the two. Yeah. And whenever we get to the remake, like, we'll see how <laughs> yeah, he's they been improved that. upon. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. But In terms of eye Jamie fucking sells it because Jamie is a great actor. She really yes. is. And. And I believe it. Like, I believe she's attracted to him. You know, like, Atkins is just charming enough, even though he's not physically amazing or anything. No. And she's plays the character right enough where you go, yeah, I can believe it. She's a little crazy. And because they set her up in that crazy beginning as the hitchhiker, you're like, yeah, she's just a little crazy. Yeah. So. Yeah. She's a little down do for anything. Yeah. Well, as we're going to see, like, because I've seen some of the other ones, and Tom Atkins is pretty good for some of the guys that she ends up being a romantic partner for <laughs> in other films oh, yeah. that she's been in. So, yeah, you can do worse than that. Not terrible. And I'm glad he doesn't have his mustache here either. So. Yeah. Ugh. We're going to get the first of what I'm going to be calling the polite knock. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so polite. Seems accurate. It's very British, uh, this knock. <laughs> both of these fucking fields. There's a polite knock. Atkin goes to see who's there, but a clock strikes one at the exact moment he's opening it. Uh, and then it cracks and it all disappears. Lots of exclaiming from Shannon at this scene, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, because I was like, what is happening? Why are you going to the door? Why? What is... What? They knocked politely. Yeah. All right? You see how many slashes are going to knock politely before they come in. Who <laughs> answers the door? If somebody rings the the doorbell at 12.55 or whatever right. in the morning, I am not answering that. Yeah. Well, you go to fucking peak to see what the hell's going on. Nah. And if you're Steve Atkins, you fucking answer no. it because you can handle anything. Nah. Not if someone nah. is knocking like in this like weird, monotonous sort of like it's like a metronome of a knock. Like, of, like bump, the bump, knock, bump, knock, knock. Like it's just he just he just had sex with a girl literally half his age. He's in a confident mood. <laughs> <laughs> He's feeling pretty good about himself. He's happy to go check out what's going on. I'm just saying nobody really knocks like that. So if I hear someone knock on my door with the boom, 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 like they're clearly coming to kill me. Clearly. Whenever I come and see you from now on, I'm going to, this is how I'm going to turn up at your door. I won't answer my door. I won't. You're going to be out there. (laughs) (laughs) So we're now introduced to Stevie's little kid who's running along the beach. I love the shot as well. It's beautiful, wide shot. Comes along, finds the gold coin washed up and a piece of wood that says Dane on it. Well, it turns we into a know. piece of wood. That's yeah, true. Yeah. That's which right. is fucking weird, right? Yeah. I like it. I like it because then but later why? when he's like, because it's meant to be like the treasure is what attracts the people on this island to mm. the the lepers or whatever. Like they assume that everyone who lives on that island is just like gold digger. Okay. Basically. You just explained it. In a yeah. nice way. I've been annoyed with that since the first time I saw oh, it. Oh, that's what I would I rather than just have some gold with it so that the gold attracts you. I don't like things like transforming. It's too yeah. sort of 
it's too fantasy. I don't know. I kind of like that magical element of this. Yeah, I think it sets the magic of it, right? Yeah. So I didn't mind it for that, but I would agree. I feel like if even it was just the driftwood or just a gold piece, whatever it was, like that would have been enough. Yeah. Didn't yeah. need to I magically transform. Because if I was I a kid and I lived on that like shippy island or whatever, then a piece of driftwood isn't going to get my attention. So that's true. That's true. He he takes it back to his mom. More great music. Like John Carpenter's score in this is fucking yeah. fantastic. Like it's not quite as iconic as Halloween, but it's such a great score. And I think that, you know, all women wake up like this every morning. 100%. Yeah. Uh-huh. In this I did. Lingerie. I did this morning. Yeah. Yeah. It's his wife's first role. <laughs> And we learn here, again, this is great storytelling from John Carpenter. He's allowing this long shot to look out the window at the kid running towards the house. And then we pan by and he pans by like, you know, the picture frames. So we understand, oh, okay, this is Stevie's son. And then by the time we've gone past those, the kid is arriving through the door. Like it's just long shots, Mm -hmm. very professionally and very classically handled, which I appreciate. And they also, like, I don't remember them talking about her having like the father so much but no. they were also he's in the pictures with them right so you get yes. a sense of like yeah. oh there at one point was this family unit and there's not any longer yeah right which is great and they never mention again you don't know if he yeah. died if he went away like what happened and i like that well no one left stevie let's be honest <laughs> i mean i mean yeah but Nobody you know 1980s were also being very clear no she's not an uh, she's not technically an unwed mother there was a man in the picture at some point right right yeah <laughs> Well, yeah, okay. He has a non-adopted <laughs> child. So yes, there was a man in the picture at some point. Yes. Yeah, we learn here definitely, because I know some people like to take the Edgar Allan Poe quote at the beginning that all of this is actually the story being told by the guy at the fire at the beginning. Ooh. Like it's all a dream within a dream. However, here the kid clearly is, is told by her, oh, did you have fun at the midnight fire chat with the old spooky? Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> like they have a brief conversation about it. So it's like, no, this is the next day mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Uh, which also means this must also be a reshoot, this whole section. That's true. Oh, yeah. So now Atkins and Jamie are just a couple and they're wandering around together. He's going to see his, fi- his fisherman friends because they've not come back yet. They're in that boat that was out before. It's either that so learning- or like when you have ever had a one night stand and then the person just doesn't leave the next day. Yeah. yeah. And they're like, so what are you doing today? Oh, I'll come with you. Like she just does not. If if he's wanting her to leave, which he probably isn't because she's, you know, a hot young thing and He's just like, that's fine. You're not that annoying. But she just, she just, yeah. She's like, you're my boyfriend now. We go hang out. I live here with you. Oh, you have a boat? That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. But again, I find like as, yeah, sure. I get that it's kind of ridiculous setup and definitely male benefiting. But I like her character is just, I believe her as this person. I think because they make her an artist who's going from place to place. They give you so little about it. But Jamie sells it to me that, yeah. She just drifts from place to place. She gets involved with someone's life for a little while and then moves on. And she doesn't mean any of it to be harmful to anyone. She's just sort of enjoying her life. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. I get I like, it. I think that's an interesting character. Yeah. Which is maybe not something I can say about other things we'll get. But to. it is pretty funny because they're talking about where she's going next. And then she goes, oh, you have a boat? And then from that yeah. moment on, yeah. she's just living with him. <laughs> Let's hang out. I mean, that's what I do. Like, I just troll around looking for dudes with boats. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. At the marina. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, they're off to head the find, uh, sorry, to find the seagrass because it hasn't been back. And then they find it and then there's no one there. Yeah, which made me question stuff to be over, but then they find it later, actually. So don't worry. I got a weird note there. Uh, meanwhile, Nancy Loomis is with Jamie's real life mum yep. working on the procession 
and the party of the day. So this is the big thing that's going on in this island. It's a hundred years celebration of the founding fathers of this island, which is a weird thing to have founding fathers. Of, I yeah. Feel, but and they're unveiling a statue to commemorate the town. And I've written down here is where Katie is ooing at the sexy wood panel oh car. That sweet, sweet station wagon, you guys. Oh, yeah. it's like a it's like a yacht pulling out of the harbor. It's <laughs> beautiful, beautiful thing. Yeah, <laughs> so beautiful. Car. It's a good car. And then Stevie drives a thing, which is yeah. also amazing. That's, That's fucking it. crazy car. Everybody has cool cars in this, just so you know. Janet's the wife of one of the sailors who's disappeared. So again, we're tying in like all the characters, but in this natural sort of small town way, which is nice. And then they head to the church to see Father Malone so he can, so he can basically emerge from a dark corner just to spook them. Yeah. <laughs> Where we get another one of my favorite lines of the, whenever she's talking to her like assistant girl. Where she's like, you're the only one that can make a yes ma'am sound like a screw you. And I was like, oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah. Love that. That was a good line. And these that. are the bits that I guarantee you were written by Deborah. Like, I think yeah. it was such a great uh, thing. And I think it's really a testament to John Carpenter's success is that he had a female writer with him so that they could write dialogue and he could concentrate on the spooky stuff. Yeah. yeah. I think it's a great collaboration. But yeah, I do. I mean, Nancy Loomis, I like a lot of her lines here, but she's increasingly bad as this film goes on. Yeah. I, find, I disagree honest. with you. Okay. Okay. Ooh, she's wonderful. I think Assassin's is good at the beginning, but it comes a point where I just feel like she doesn't give a shit. Well, like it just gets weird because her character has to like go is wanting to like go on with the show as all this bad stuff is happening, and you're like, nah, like it just doesn't seem to make sense. I think as it gets yes. further on, she seems See, practical I found, to begin with. I found the Janet Lee character weird that she you know because later on she'll have a loss and then she's like no i have to finish this party whereas nancy loomis is like you should go home yeah oh yeah she's i like, think what I'm are you still doing them. here you're thinking uh, old lady and then yeah. young lady is nancy loomis oh yeah i'm confusing them in real okay. life that's okay. her yeah. real name i don't remember what her actual name is in the movie yeah yeah we just call it nancy yeah so nancy. The father reads from the journal that he found and he talks about the plot to kill the lepers on the ship aided by an unearthly fog. So I've got a couple of like, so there's one problem with both of these films, which is they call the fog. Mm-hmm. It's about the fog is like what brings these lepers in right. to, for revenge. However, the fog helped the people from the island kill the lepers. Right, because they so couldn't So the fog see. technically, yeah, if, if it's not, if the fog is in some way maleficent, it's not on the leper's side, it's on the island side. And yet now they're using the fog. Yeah. Originally. But is it- Well, I, I feel like it's then like the lepers are taking their revenge by using the tool oh, that was a them. part right. of their demise, right? Okay. Because- so it's just a ghost fog. Because that the night that, yeah. the, that it went down was meant to have had a Billy Heavy fog, correct? Yeah. So yes. they're essentially just recreating the terrible night that happened, but okay. turning they're the tables- it. Look, you're both just making me like this film even more. So. Great. Great. Congratulations. Yeah, and I like the stuff with Father Malone, like his quotes of a celebration tonight is a travesty. We're honoring murderers. Mm-hmm. And you basically, I don't know how much, I get a little bit confused in this film. They really get into it in the next film, uh, in the remake. But in terms of what really happened, is it the exact same story pretty much as in the remake or is it a little different? No, it's a little different. Yeah, it's it's mildly, well, I don't know. I think it is, it's similar, but like, with mild differences because I don't know in the remake they like go and they physically take the gold and all that sort of stuff and I thought in this one they were just trying to kill them well but I guess they got their gold yeah. too 
But do they get into do they get into the town being built from the leper's gold in this yeah. one? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's really I'm because they definitely don't give you as much info on this, and I'm getting a bit muddled now. My brain between what I learned in the remake and what I learned right. in this. So maybe just keep going through the notes because I'll hopefully write it down. Yeah, and they realized that everything that happened on the town, like all the crazy shit that happened to everyone, happened at the same time that the conspirators met mm-hmm. before they decided to kill this leper colony on the boat and trick them. At the same time, Atkins and Jamie are finding that all the gauges are broken on the seagrass, and that all happened at the same time as well. Right. Uh, I think it was the window in their car shattered. And then Atkins tells this story about his father being a fisherman out late, coming back in, and he saw a brig heading right for him. And they boarded the brig, but no one was there. There was food on the table, hot coffee, and a gold doubloon. Um, and his father took the coin and left. But then when he came back, he found that the coin had disappeared. Which again, I'm not... Uh, yeah, I mean, I it's a nice little story. This is definitely a reshoot. They needed more scares. So they did this story. So then you can have Jamie Lee Curtis having a double scare with the cupboard opens and then a dead body falls from somewhere else. Right, sure. That's a nice little story, but I don't know what it really adds yeah. to the mythos because it... It means this boat has been around a lot, sort of haunting the coast, I guess. And, yeah. But still great pacing going back and forth for me from these different characters, like building the story. I like in a film where you've got like different people figuring stuff out and then they all have to come together for you to get all the information, if you know what I mean. Right. Everyone's approaching the story from different angles. And then this fucking fantastic shot going down to the lighthouse as Stevie Oh, has yeah. With so all good. those stairs. Fucking amazing. <sighs> What a beautiful shot. So and they good. reveal it so lovely. I always forget it's like a dolly and they like pull up and then like look down and oh, it's just gorgeous. It's really pretty. She's taking a kid's plank of wood that says Dane and then it just starts bleeding salt water, which I like. Yeah. Into the tapes. And then a new voice comes out. And I, re- I had to turn on the, um, I rewound it and put on the, um, uh, what do you call it? Subtitles or whatever for this. Oh. And the voice says something that one lives with around their neck like an albatross. No, more like a millstone. A plumbing stone by God, damn them all. Oh. Which is really fucking creepy. Yeah, Super creepy. I really like it. Yeah, I did not hear that in the, actually just watching it without subtitles. Uh, and then it bursts into flame and Stevie puts it out and then it's as if nothing happened and everything goes back to normal. Yeah. Um, it's cool stuff. I like it. There's a car in the scene. We get a little spooky thing uh, here where the guy sort of comes back to life for a second and tries to jump on Jamie and then writes three on the floor. As you do. Uh, and this is going to tie into yeah. how many people to kill. So it, they want to kill six, right? Because in this one, there's six conspirators. Yeah. Right. I think in this one. And they're not worried about who they kill in this one. Is that right? They just want to kill six. I guess. six? Yes. Because at first I thought there was method to their madness because that's why I thought Tom Atkins had that story. Like I thought that they were like, these six people are connected to the, the lineage of the offenders but then it kind of all goes to shit after that because then yeah Yeah. if people don't answer the door or if they don't get that person then they're just like fuck it i'll take this person instead so yeah yeah yeah. it's just whoever is the slowest (laughs) so the weatherman's reporting that fog's coming in and it's arriving at the weather station in the next five to ten minutes so atkins and jamie head straight there and it's where it really starts to kick off and i just want to say like i love the stuff they do with the actual fog in this yeah like at a time when you can only do practicals it's really fucking cool. Mm-hmm. There's quite a lot. There's actual scenes in here where they had to get the actors to act in reverse so that they could get the fog to move the way they needed it to in oh. the scene. Oh. Which is pretty crazy. Wow. That is crazy. I don't even, I'm like, how would you do that? How I mean, I presume there's no dialogue. So <laughs> just, they literally you know. had to like move backwards? There's bits like, I know, that I think there was a bit where they had to like uh, reverse a car up and then turn it around so it actually looks like they're pulling out. Oh my God, that's so cool. That is. Wow. Yeah, Yeah, it's really cool. 
and all the power goes out of the weather station. This guy, weatherman, first weak, weak link for acting for me in this film. He's not great in this I scene. love Dan. I think he's great. I don't like it. Oh, and then he, I like would Dan. he just stop calling her sweetheart? Like, Jesus Christ. He's like the perfect <laughs> amount of creepy, but also like guy who... Endearing. Yeah, exactly. Like kind of guy who knows he's batting above his range, but he's like, I have secrecy in my job and it's a small town so it's possible you know there's like all these little things the remake Mm. guy i'm not a huge fan of yeah Yeah. yes okay all right i just find it i don't know i think he's a little bit mm, i love their dialogue too some of her lines to him where she's like my idea of perfection is a voice on the phone is they're so great this is where the movie starts to turn a little bit for me like so for the we're about halfway through and for the first half of the movie this genuinely feels to me like a true classic like it's like you're setting up everything very well you're shooting it beautifully i'm liking the actors it's going at a slow but very good pace and now it becomes into more of a midnight b movie which again i enjoy midnight b movies but there's just like i feel this film up until this point has come so close to you could really be on the same level as halloween Mm -hmm. like you could be that good and now you're going to go a little bit more schlocky and i don't mean that in a violent way i just mean you know like silly things and fun things and Mm -hmm. stuff like that yeah Fog gets to town and takes out the telephone pylons. Stevie's trying to warn the sheriff. And then it takes out the lights of the town. And we're reminded that there's a big celebration meant to be going on. But I do not feel it. No. 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 I will say that's one of the things on the list. All the power all of a sudden goes out. Yeah. Bum, bum, bum. I think you've had quite a few things on your list, haven't you? Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, technically a car stalling as well. Yep. yep. There's know. a car stalling as well. No, not okay. yet, though. Yeah, we haven't gotten to it yet oh okay it's coming but this is what i feel the second half should have been it's like you do all this great setup they've done you bring in like here's all your back law here are all your characters you've done that without it feeling too forced and then in the background we know there's going to be this huge celebration that's mm-hmm. going on right so then the second half should be this huge celebration like that's what it should be it's like oh cool you set everything up now let's have fun with it the fog rolls in big celebration going on you know have play out the spookies for the rest of the movie but i don't know if i mean Budget could have been a factor, but Possibly. this celebration is about 20 people yeah. some looking at a statue My with candles that they brought. And that we get to later is whenever the older woman, Janet Lee, that's her name, right? Janet yeah. Lee? Where that she, the cops are like, we should really shut this down, or I don't know. And she's like, well, we're about halfway through now. It'll take like 30 more minutes or something for all the people to file through. Like, there's a, like, there's it's maybe literally 10 just people 20 in people that circling. Town. to create a continuous line (laughs) and it's also like why is it taking hours for people to just walk by a statue and pay their respects to this statue like yep i don't absolutely and it's meant to be like 12 30 in the morning what are these people doing yeah who cares who the fuck cares just waste it (laughs) there's not even a light on the statue because they all just have these little handheld candles so you can't even really see or appreciate a statue at that time of it night. It needs to be a party. It'd be like, yeah. if you're doing like, yeah, and we're, if there's a party to celebrate the 100 year and we're going to be unveiling the statue during yeah. the party. Like yeah. that, you could do, like there's a fate or something, yeah. you know? But there's, it's just, no, they're just there for the statue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's the most yeah. miserable party I've ever seen. Yeah. The least fun. Stevie then, uh, Stevie's got a safety generator in the lighthouse. Coolest radio station ever. I want way, that job. Like, I've decided yeah. that's my goal in yeah. life is well, to be cool Stevie Wayne. radio station, but also like what type of music is she playing? It's just like elevator music over and over again. That's her yeah. thing. Well, she's playing music they could afford, I think. Yeah, uh, yeah, that sounds <laughs> They needed right. music to get the rights and that's all they could get. 
Yep. Yeah, so she uses the radio, though, to tell her son to run. And then the fog rolls in at her house. We get the polite knock. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Atkins and Jamie get to the weather station. But then they hear the radio and decide to head over to try and help her son. Not a great scene between Andy and the babysitter lady as she gets got. Yeah. It's a little bit a little bit weird. Yeah. But whatever. I don't know that I would tell my son to run if it was an element that was yeah. outside. Yeah. I would yeah, just yeah. be like, lock the doors and the windows and stay inside. Right. Because especially she doesn't know how the fog is operating. Like she knows no. nothing about the knocking at the door. No. No. She just knows something spooky is happening yeah. and people are dying. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. But the polite knock comes to Andy's door and then a hook. So we get in some of those, I know what you did last summer style yeah. things. And Atkins gets there, rescues him in time through the window, definitely sees the spooky stuff happening. So we have a proper like, okay, people are actually seeing this stuff happen now, which yeah. is always essential in a slasher movie. And then they nearly all get got because Jamie can't fucking drive. Dude, it's <laughs> yep. an old, okay, I have an issue with this <laughs> because it's, okay, most of the time when you see these old trucks and movies, girls like incredibly hot girls are driving cool old cars and they are not shifting, which really bugs me because these cars were not automatic. Tom Atkins is shifting this car at the beginning. It's a difficult truck. Those trucks are not easy. They're like four cylinder. They're really hard to get into first, let alone in reverse, which she's trying to do. And it's stuck. So all of these things are, yes, there is reasoning as to why she is not able to get this car started remake makes me very annoyed yeah i agree agree i at least appreciate that she gets out of this jam she does yeah okay because she's fucking jamie lee curtis she knows how to do things like pull off that hairstyle it's pretty amazing what i don't appreciate is stevie apologizing to her son over the radio for not coming to save him right because she says i have to stay here yeah i thought that was so strange i was like you do not report the need to stay on the radio lady no like, she's useful in the next scenes because she's telling people which streets the fog is on, but also it's your son. You wouldn't give a shit no. you would go. Yeah, 100%. Which they do rectify in the remake, to yeah. be fair. Yeah, um, they do. But she's but, still yeah. useless. <laughs> yeah. Oh, isn't she just? <laughs> yeah, but there is. it is kind of cool. Like, they're going down the streets and she's kind of saying where the fog's hitting. We get some proper, like, town streets here with the fog pulling in. The music's fucking great. Um, the only clear road is to the church. So the fog's clearly siphoning them there to the church. Right. So they head there. Now, there would be tons of fucking people, right, from this yeah. town? I know. I, so, <laughs> I was like, it has, doesn't everyone have to go to the church? Nope. Just these Just like, the four people. people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They're all still, Atkins, they're all still Jamie, in a circle going around the statue. They're like, yeah. how many more yes. times yeah. do we have to circle this thing? It's so impressive. They have to circle it a hundred times. Maybe that's the thing. <laughs> Maybe that's it. Yeah. For every yeah. year, they have to go around it. We've got Atkins, Jamie, the kid, Nancy Loomis, and Janet Lee, and then the father, who's who, Father Malone, who's drunk and just yeah. getting up. That's it. And then the fog finally gets to the lighthouse. We get the polite knocks. We're going to get the build here throughout the end of the film. These shots of it look fucking fantastic, though. Mm-hmm. It's really spectral. So cool. Um, and then the book says six must die, five had, and then it does mention the original conspirators. Like, right. But none of these people seem to be related, or are they? I don't well, know. Well, Malone definitely is because he said. Sure. Yeah. He's reading that as his like great great grandfather or something. But yeah. are the people in the boats like all three of them were ancestors? No, I don't. I don't think so. I don't think it's set up in this film that way. I think right. it's just yeah. killing the first people it gets to in theory. Yeah. Which, then which is I'm a like, weakness. I feel like yes, she should be after the ancestors. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. 
Yeah. But I think, you know, we'll get to it that that's why Father Malone is special because he is an ancestor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's also special yeah. because he can't finish reading something that's obviously integral to a fucking right? story. <laughs> He's like, that's, that's as true. far as I could get. I'm like, why? Because you were seeing two of everything at this point? Because that doesn't make any sense. As you're reading it in monotone, it's obviously not freaking you out enough that you have to stop. And then you find out later that if he had just kept reading, that like everything would have been revealed and you yeah. would have been yeah. fine. I was like, this is like when people start a really complicated recipe and don't read through the whole recipe and they just start making things. Yeah. And you're just like, no wonder it turned out really weird. Yeah. So. It's a PSA yep. for reading, I feel like. Yeah. Like, don't exactly. stop, kids. Keep going. Yeah. Keep reading. <laughs> True. And then it all gets pretty night living dead. As they're hiding out in the church and the lighthouse from this kind of siege movie. Yes. Which is again, John Carpenter's done this before with the Sultan Precinct 13. He likes his siege. Um, hands are coming through the windows and the doors. And then they find just a huge gold cross hidden in the walls of the church out it. of nowhere. Gold stolen from the lepers that they then melted down to create this cross. But I presume they used some of the gold to do other things then, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, they would just- have to. Like they didn't, that's the thing that I was like, the town is supposed to have been built on the use of this gold. But then the priest is like, no, we put all the gold into the form of this golden cross for no reason whatsoever, just for like And then shoved it in a wall. And shoved it <laughs> yeah. into the wall. Like, exactly. Maybe that's so. why the ghosts are coming back. They're just really pissed off that this is what happened to all their gold. <laughs> yeah. Right. Use our gold. They're like, we're not even stuff, Catholic. Right? This is really insulting. Yeah. <laughs> I love how, yeah, the father slinks off with the gold cross looking really ridiculous because it's clearly actually quite heavy. Or right. He's been told, make it look really yeah. heavy. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just like, and then the leper ghost confront him. He offers Blake, the lead leper ghost, his gold back and the eyes glow red. Now, yeah. cool effect, but goofy. Like, yeah. We're definitely in B-movie yeah. territory, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. And Stevie's on the roof of the lighthouse fleeing. She gets stabbed and we get a cool shot of the ghost face with like maggots in it. The only way to climb this a lighthouse a is in heels, by the way. Right? Yes. Always. Yeah. Always. And then Blake grabs the gold cross from the father and it all glows, burns up. Father Malone is rescued by Atkins, who pulls him off. And then all the ghosts just sort of explode into light and disappear and the fog retracts. And I think it's all over. And then Stevie does a little outro on the radio station, which is very Twilight Zone, Mm -hmm. which I kind of like. Says, look across the water and into the darkness. Look for the fog. Um, And then we get a little coda. Father Malone in his church alone when suddenly Blake and his crew are back. And we have a really cool final fucking shot. Yeah. When his head gets cut off, even though we don't see it happen. Right. But this for me is how I would want the first proper time we see the ghosts to be. Like yeah. really just like nudge at them throughout. And then here you finally in this code to get a reveal of them because it looks cool here and they're slightly out of focus. Like, I, I don't know. I just feel they give away too much too quick. Yeah. I don't ghosts. disagree. Like whenever we, the first half of this movie, I, I was like, oh, man, this is going to give me nightmares. Oh, this is not good. This is going to be a problem. <laughs> Ooh, I am scared. But then as soon as they started to reveal more of the actual monsters, like you're seeing the like mummy-looking hands and yeah. things like that, as soon as I saw that, then I was like, oh, I'm no longer scared because the effects of it can't live up to yeah. the my imagination of it, right? Mm-hmm. So I completely I agree. agree. If they had waited until the end to like show any of these monsters that would have been better for me if it wasn't for the crossing the cross being handed over i actually think you could just edit it down like you could edit this movie down take out some of the shots Mm -hmm. and see less and it would work better 
but even if it's like at the cross scene that that's whenever you see him too i think i'm still okay with that because you've waited until like the very end okay i'll welcome that edit (laughs) thank you thank you so the last line look for the fog was a nod to the last line from the thing from another world a film which is shown in halloween and then john loves so much he would then remake as the thing a few years after this the last line in the original thing from another world is watch the skies so this was his kind of nod to it because that was definitely his pageant, passion project. Yeah, they had trouble controlling the fog because of the wind, <laughs> which is part of the reason they would use some of the backward stuff right. was because of that. I thought the fog was going against the wind. This makes no sense. Mm-hmm. Ruined the mm-hmm. whole movie for me. <laughs> and then, like we said, John did the movie, cut it, mixed it, did the music and said it was really bad. So they went back and within a month, they reshot a bunch, re-edited it, re-scored it and made a wow. completely different film. Damn. And he said this version's much more straightforward and fun. Damn. I want to know what the original original was then. I know. It'd be interesting, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. There's a funny bit here as well like this. When Father Malone first discovers the journey, he glances at the title page and flips to an open page of text that is partially blocked and then seen only for a split second. The visual portion, if you freeze it in HD and read it with spelling errors, says something about my college education to work writing dumb shit in this fucking movie's props <laughs> being one. It's time to bring in the words guide or the big tits, tattoos, and shaved beavers. I know horny cocked would go cock some of that. That <laughs> is amazing. <laughs> How did he keep a straight face? While really like seeing that and not having to be drunk, Father Malone. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's why they edit. Like, yeah, maybe. maybe. Wow, that's amazing. See you guys, guys. That's the fog, nineteen eighty. We've got maybe uh, 35 minutes to talk about the remake, which sounds fine to me. Yeah, I think, <laughs> sounds good. I think that seems I'm happy with that. Uh, yeah. So let's quickly, quickly just summarize the feelings in on this one. Like, I still love this movie. I think I'm just always frustrated with it. I always saw it as a great Midnight Bee movie, and I think it does end up as a great Midnight Bee movie. What I think is frustrating when I look at it now is how good that first half is. I mm-hmm. think the first half is nigh on perfect for what it's trying to do, mm-hmm. and then it, it doesn't fall apart, but it definitely moves to yeah more b-movie territory yeah shannon you're brand new to this world how did you feel about the fog i agree like especially watching this movie in its completion i turned to katie and i was like i don't know i don't know if i'm gonna make it through these like i was scared it was scary she kept asking me for reassurance she's like i thought you said that none of these were like actually scary and i i kept at first i was like man shannon is a wuss she can't even handle the 1980s the fog and i was like i find none of this scary but then i actually really agree with you al that if they had held off on the piratey schlockiness then it's i mean yeah it's very classic at the beginning it hits on a lot of universal themes that you're like yeah this is a little eerie yeah 
watching it, I was like, ooh, I'm going to have nightmares. This is not going to be okay. Like all the things. So it, you know, I, I will rate things as we go through this on my nightmare scale. <laughs> and, <laughs> ooh, I like that. Right. And like, I think, you know, if we had ended with just the fog, I probably would have had nightmares that night, but we didn't. We got the remake. <laughs> That's basically a comedy. So, <laughs> All right, let's get into it. So that brings us into the versus side of our conversation. We're going to get to the fog. 2005. Um, yeah, thanks, guys. Again, we've been a hot mess. I forgot to say the fog original gets a 6.8 out of 10 on the IMDb. Fog 2005 gets a 3.6 out of 10 on the old IMDb's. That seems generous. <laughs> we like to look at Rotten Tomatoes and the wrap-ups, Shannon. Just, you know, we look at the IMDb's throughout and then get to Rotten okay. Tomatoes later. Okay. okay. Directed by Rupert Wainwright, who had also directed Stigmata and really? would never direct a feature film in cinemas again. Sounds right. right written so by Cooper Lane, who wrote The Core. Do you remember that? No. Mm-mm. Do you remember that? That was with Aaron Eckhart, I think. And isn't that a period of time where end of the world films in terms of like people trying to save the end of the world, like Armageddon, and they take a drill, like the Earth's core is dying. So they take a drill into the Earth's core and restart the Earth the only way America knows how with nuclear bombs. Wow. (laughs) My friend Tom likes that movie. I love him. Oh, Tom. I love you, Tom. Oh, Tom. Uh, DP'd by Nathan Hope. We've uh, had him before, Katie. Hellraiser Inferno. Ugh. You know, one of your least favorite Hellraisers. One of my favorite Hellraisers. Mimic 2 and a bunch of CSI. Scored, though, by Graham Revell. Now, Graham Revell, or Revell, I don't know how you say his name. He, in the 90s, did everything. Like, he did Lara Croft, he did Riddick, Shark Knight, he does Gotham now, he oh, did Pineapple Express, Sin City, Assault and Precinct 13 Remake, oh, Open Water, Freddy vs. Jason, Daredevil, Bride of Chucky, Child's Play 2, From Dust Till Dawn. And I knew him very, very well because he did the score for The Crow. Um, so that's why I grew to love him. Starring Tom Welling as Nick Castle. This is uh, Superboy from Smallville. Yep. Yeah. Superman, I think, but I'm going to call him Superboy for I others. mean, okay. upgrade. <laughs> is it, though? Yeah. I, I mean, mean, not in, in terms of way. the acting, but in terms of <laughs> Less the Less charisma. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's basically a wet blanket, but mm-hmm. oh, yeah. in a great In a great jumper. Yeah. I don't know. Like, if you put him and Tom Adkins next to each other, and I didn't know either of them, and you would have been like... If, as a girl, you had to have sex with one of these guys, I don't know that I would choose the younger, hotter one because he does not sure? look like he would be that great. I no, mean, he doesn't. I know like, that I he'd would be choose nice the younger, if you, one. If the question was, like, which one do you want to see naked, I would pick, obviously, the hotter one. But, like, to mm-hmm. actually have sex with and have a romantic evening with, Same I would with. probably go with experience over physical attraction. I can teach. Noted. I don't know. <laughs> he looks a bit dense. That sounds exhausting. <laughs> it does. Maggie Grace as Elizabeth Williams from Taken, Lost, Fear the Walking Dead, and Californication. Mm-hmm. Selma Blair as Stevie Wayne from Cruel Intentions, Hellboy, and Anger Management. DeRay Davis as Spooner from 21 Street, Semi-Pro, G.I. Joe Retaliation. Kenneth Welsh as Tom Malone from The Day After Tomorrow, Twin Peaks, and Time Cop. Adrian Hoff, Hull, I don't know, as Father Malone from Once Upon a Time and Sabrina. And then Sarah Botsford as Kathy Williams and Cole Heppel as Andy Wayne. Budgeted at $18 million. What? How bunch more than last time. Grossed $46 million. Good old return. So, yes, John Carpenter himself had been interested in quite some time in doing something else with The Fog. So what he wanted to do was make an anthology based on the fog, it's, uh, the fog, but The Fog itself would serve as a catalyst for different supernatural 
episodes basically right mm-hmm. and then gradually the connectivities to the 1980 film would appear throughout this he had this idea quite a lot it was kind of like the halloween he wanted to do when they did halloween 3 they like to do different things based around an idea they had but not proper sequels this never happened and in 2005 a remake was produced instead of which he was a producer on um, the film was greenlit see if this takes you by surprise the film was greenlit by revolution studios before they'd even written the script oh yep that sounds that sounds right yeah <laughs> John says basically, yeah, sure, I was a producer, but what I'd do is I'd come in, say hello, and then go home. <laughs> so it's his fault. Okay. So- no creative involvement. I don't think they necessarily wanted his creative involvement, but he's also very candid always in saying, I'm a capitalist. So if you're going to give him money, he'll let you do whatever you want to do. That's I just how John that. works. Boys got to eat. Yeah. Make that money. Deborah Hill, sadly, she's here. You might have seen Deborah Hill production right at the beginning. Yeah. That's partly a testament to her. She died shortly before yeah. filming began on this. And before Tom Welling was cast in the lead role here, they considered Jesse Metcalf, oh. Matthew Davis, I don't know, I need Henry Cavill, yeah! the other Superboy, right? Adam Garcia, and Shannon David Barianis. What? Angel? <laughs> I'm sorry. Angel himself. If this, if this movie had Angel in it, I, it would have been two thumbs up. It would have been everything recommend. I needed it to be. And it, I, that whole question of like which uh, Tom Atkins or which Nick Castle you would choose. Oh, I, Angel. <laughs> yeah, David. No, sure. I'm with you there. Angel. He's got a little bit of substance in there. Yes. I mean, not much, but like just enough Something. to make it great. <laughs> yes. yes. To balance out. That was okay, but yeah. you're really fucking oh, sexy so so broody so broody <laughs> you're like just Julia scowl St- at me a little bit more <laughs> yeah julia styles was interested in the role of elizabeth so they actually tailored the role to oh, her that would have been great I if know, it was julia they styles an angel so good yeah we wrote it to be more mature and they expanded her role and then she didn't eventually come on board so they cast maggie grace and then had to rewrite it again to be younger and more innocent Julia Stiles ruined this movie then. Yeah. Yeah. That's what happened. Maggie's lost co-star Emily de Ravine was also considered. Mm-hmm. Uh, director Rupert, uh, Rupert Wainwright said, here's my perspective on this remake. I want to be... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> As I was started to say the sentence, I remembered what he's like in interviews. Uh, oh. And he's hilariously sincere. <laughs> like, I want to be like a doctor. First, I want to do no harm. So any scene that works from the original... We just don't want to mess with it. I hope people can go. This was in a different bit of the quote, to be fair. I hope people can go. I like chicken and I like beef, but I don't have to compare the two. What? What the <laughs> fuck? And then if I remember correctly, he just kind of shrugs. Afterwards. He was really like, he really cared. And he does seem very sincere. It's like listening to Donald Trump talk. Yeah. Like, who who yeah. are you talking? What answer are you huh? giving to the question that I just asked you? And he wanted to add love to the story instead of the ghost's intentions being motivated by gold and betrayal. Oh. He did not do that in this. Mm-hmm. It just got creepy. Mm-hmm. We'll get it there. was like, why are these people still talking to each other, let alone sleeping together? Why is so she when he had this idea of love, I don't know. when he had the idea of love, he told the writer his idea and then said to him, and he looks so proud of this in the interview, he says to him, don't put love into the first draft because he knows. When the studio comes back with notes, they, they're going to want to change things, even if it's perfect. So if you leave it out, then when they come back and say, we need to change things, then we'll add the love in and the studio will like it. 
So he was manipulating the studio system. I mean, that Fair is the way you him. manipulate the studio. <laughs> solid plan. You it is. Yeah. It is. But also you see how proud he looks about it. It's like, yeah, yeah. you got the love in. Oh, I've outwitted yeah. them. Mm-hmm. Gotta know when to hold them. Creepy ghost love. Now we are in a different decade, 2005. I don't want to go into it like we normally do in deep. So can we just rattle through quickly the top 10 and the and some other horror sure. films so we know what's going on that oh, year? Oh, I didn't find them yet, so. Let's start with Katie. Katie? Yep, yep. Can you just Give rattle me. through the horror films? Finding them. Hold on. 2001 Maniacs, the remake. The Amityville Horror remake. Boogeyman, The Cave. Cry underscore Wolf. Cursed. Descent. Yes. The Devil's Rejects. Dominion, colon, Prequel to The Exorcist. <laughs> the I-10. Or is that I-1.0? No, that's the I-10. That's ridiculous. So that's the I-4. But, yeah. um, Hellraiser, colon, Hellworld. It's a great Ooh, one. That's a, a good great one. great one, you guys. Hostel, House of Wax remake, Isolation, Land of the Dead, Return of the Living Dead, colon, Necropolis, Return Ooh. of the Living Dead, colon, Rave to the Grave. God damn it, <laughs> so good. The Ring 2 remake. Fun. Saw 2, Urban Legends, colon, Bloody Mary, Venom, and Wolf Creek. So we're basically in an age of Torture porn. Yeah. And remakes. Yeah. Yeah. Those are the two. That's what we're coming into. So this makes perfect sense. Yeah. yeah. Remake time. Shannon, what was the top 10 happening? Uh, so top 10, I'm actually going to start at top. Well, uh, number 13 was Wedding Crashers, which I think is interesting. And number just outside the top 10, number 11 is the Fantastic Four. Mm. Then number 10, which I'm surprised to see this at 10, is Batman Begins. Ooh, uh, oh, that is low. Well, uh, yeah, yeah, that's what I, I thought. I think there wasn't, people didn't appreciate it till later, really. Yeah, so number 10, Batman Begins, edged out at number nine by Hitch. <laughs> then uh, number eight is the Charlie and the Chocolate oh. Factory remake with Johnny Depp. Oh, so Creepy. Bad. Number seven, Terrible. Mr. and Mrs. Smith. That's oh, my God. Right? Number it's like si- I'm seeing the blockbuster shelf from oh, my high school right now. I, I'm this visualizing exactly all of I'm these seeing. movies. I was like, oh, uh, yeah, number six I is King Kong, also a remake. <sighs> number five, Madagascar. Number four, War of the Worlds. Remake. Yep. I guess. Yep. <laughs> Another of. remake. Number three, The Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and The Wardrobe. Oh, so good. Mm-hmm. And then number oh. two. Yeah, it is. Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith. Mm-hmm. One of the only two, I think, Star Wars film, or now three, to not open at number one. Ah, well, and so then number one, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. There nice. we go. Yep. Good Harry Potter films. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, remakes are prevalent in this time. So, it is, to be fair, sometimes we review these films like, what the fuck is this doing in this year? It makes sense. There's a lot of remakes going yeah. on. Yeah. Let's bring back the fog, right? Yeah. Why not? Have we had Halloween by this point, Katie? I think that was 2010, I think. So, no. 2005, we're in the earlier period of, of horror remakes here. Yeah. Very different uh, affair immediately as we get into this of how it's made. Like, it's obviously going to go big and glossy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, we start with a whole different scene. We're going to get a setup because they need to give us a kill straight off the bat, basically. <laughs> so we may not understand like, what's going on, but we've got these like people coming off this burning boat and they're in a little boat and then a hand comes out of the water to grab them. Right. Now, they're trying to get the adrenaline going, I'm presuming, but it always bothers me in horror films when they're trying to like do an opening kill and you're meant to be in suspense and terror and they're doing slow fade in and fade out of credits. So yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's like, you, that doesn't jar. I mean, it doesn't jive right. It just mm-hmm. is jarring. Mm-hmm. And then we cut. 
And we're into a pop punk song and I've written down Shannon is happy right now. Yes, yeah. she was. We were both singing. We were like, yes. Yep. Oh already into it. Yep. I, she, was, I, I was think like, at this I point established sold. that she already liked this one better. Yep. Than yep. 100%. I was like, this- I am in for this remake. A hundred percent. No more Plus, like I think at this listening. point, our, our Thai food had arrived. So yeah. we were like, <laughs> so you're happy. Yeah, we were, we were very, very happy, happy at this point. Mm-hmm. So I was exactly the opposite at this point. Um, I wasn't hating it yet, <laughs> but I'm like, oh, they've got rid of everything that I like about the opening of the last one. Like, there's nothing creepy here. It's just, and this remind, this took me back to, I was a big fan of like a lot of 90s horror films. Many people aren't. It's the decade that most horror uh, aficionados hate because it's just safe horror with, you know, teenagers and pop songs. Um, and I get that, but I think there's some good ones that came out of it. What I really hate is the period after that with these kind of films where with 2005, and they can't shake 90s vibes. Like, they just can't fucking shake it. Yeah, and but I'm all these fucking it. films yeah. would begin with a large, wide sweeping shot from a helicopter coming across forests or ocean. Yep. They yeah. all start with that fucking shot. I mean, which I think I know what he did last summer was one of the first to do it. But yeah. it's not a horror film, but I distinctly remember Romy and Michelle's high school reunion starts yeah, it's a horror with movie. and the no doubt just a girl song. Oh yeah, it's so good. <laughs> it's so good. It's just like I mean, this feels like the stuff that this one. I mean, I like a lot of those films from the nineties, but the stuff that people hate about those horror films from the nineties, there's reeks of it. Mm-hmm. Like, this is me realizing. Oh yeah. I feel about this, how they feel about, you know, Urban Legend. And then we have Selma Blair as Stevie, but oh my God, her voice just doesn't work at all for me. It's not like, terrible, but it's not great. I mean, I think she's god awful. Yeah, she's just bad. I get it. I don't know. I get it. I'm, sh- I'm just sitting there shaking my head. Yeah. I don't get it at all. Like, there's just nothing. This is going to be a big problem for me is like with all the casting, but with her in particular, well, not her in particular, <laughs> there's so much worse. But what I hate about her in this is that She's basically the same age as Adrian was. Mm-hmm. They're like two years apart from each other in the original The Fog. But I don't believe she's a fucking grown up. Yeah. And this is something that happens in 90s films and in all these films where you have these and you put these, even though she's like 32 or whatever in this, we have this weird obsession with. In real life, she's 32? Yeah. Really? She made this. Yes. Oh, because I thought for sure she's like mid 25 or yeah, something. Yeah, 26. No. I mean, I checked it like twice. If you guys want to go and check it again. Well, how old is she meant to be in this movie? I don't know. That's a question that Shannon and I had, especially later on when you see her son. Yeah. I think a similar age, 32 or something. She had a kid in her mid-20s. I don't know, man. But she just doesn't like, and they do it all the time in these films. It's like, why do we have to have, like, the last one had lots of grown-ups in lead roles. Now it's just people who, whether or not she's a teenager, she acts like a teenager. That's what, I think Katie made the comment when we were watching it of, like, they just swapped out all of, like, the adults to now be played by children. Like, it's like everybody, with the exception of, I guess, maybe Jamie Lee Curtis, because she was young Mm -hmm. then and young in the film, but it's like everybody just, like, lost 10 years. (laughs) Yeah. 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 But that's the thing is that's, you know, Selma Blair didn't. She's actually nearly the exact same age. And I just don't understand. And it might be a social thing or it might be just how cinema changed. But we stopped allowing maybe guys as well. I don't know. But from this film's evident, like women being allowed to be like Adrian was a beautiful, sexy, early 30s woman. Mm-hmm. And here it's like, even though Selma Blair is obviously a beautiful early 30s woman, like you got to dress and act like you're in your early 20s. Right. You know? And yeah. I don't I don't get it. Yeah. drives me crazy. Young and, and I just don't, and forever. I also her acting is like I just don't believe her no, at all. I don't either. 
she also now says that one of the four men are commemorating with the statue was her great grandfather uh or great great grandfather she actually says mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then they have to hammer it home by literally guiding us through the four statues right. saying the names of each one one by yeah. one and then the mayor i think he's the mayor yeah i think he he's is. talking yeah he turns to the lady who's basically playing janet lee's role and says, we have tourists arriving by the boat line. I know. No, you don't. Well, no, and especially in the original, the, it was the town was, celebra- was celebrating their centennial, right? So that's like a thing. Right. Towns do that. Yeah. This is, there's none of the centennial stuff. It's just they're dedicating these statues that they got. Is that it? That's is that it? Yeah. I didn't even know. Because it's Katie not meant to, to be 100 it years ago. It's not 100 years ago because the, at some point they mentioned the dates or whatever of all this. And we're like, wait, that would make, like the dates were all wrong for 100 years. It, said it, so it was like, meant to be like right. 1874 or something that had happened. And then I was like, so that would make this in the 70s. And they're all on cell phones and obviously not in the 70s. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so there's was, no centennial. Like, so it's just the statue. Just People yeah. are coming statues. in on a boatload to see this fucking yeah. statue. Right. Yeah. Again, this movie, 14 million, did I say? This movie has million, the fucking 18 million. This is the budget for a fucking fate. Yeah. Let's have a yeah. fate, guys. Come on. Let's do something to draw people into this movie. Which in Britishisms, in case you guys don't know, means party. Oh. A fate. Well, yeah, we can't. A fair. A fair. Sorry, like a fair. Yeah. Yeah, fairs, right? Is that what you call them? Yeah. Yeah, but it's more for a like. Carnival. That's like a carnival. Carnival. Mm-hmm. Sure. But like the like, World's you know, Fair, those sort of, like you have state sure. fairs, that sort of stuff. Yeah. Sure, they could have sure. been right. having their like town fair. Yeah. yeah. Very fun. Yeah. And the second think. half of the movie takes place. I'm really, honestly, like I said, I love the fog, but I see how you could do something different with it. So I'm looking forward. I did see this movie in cinemas. Again, neither of you two. Well, Katie, you claim you've seen this before sometimes, but we don't know how. Pretty sure I watched it with you. Definitely not with me. 100%. Because <laughs> I have yep. not returned to this movie. Yep. So yeah, a little shipping vessel called the Seagrass is pulling in and we have Superboy just po- posing on the end of it. I'm immediately just like, ugh. Pulling a Titanic. Yep. So we decided to make the Atkins roll the lead. He's running a little fishing boat for tours and his daddy was an adventurer. Yeah. Well, if you got Superman, of course you're going to make him the lead. Oh, well, obviously. Well, yeah. Although now all I can think is David Boreanaz playing this role. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I would prefer it. Yeah. I would. What- and I have nothing against Smallville Boy. I just have, I just have it against movies being made and just remade and just putting all these stupid fucking young people in. Yeah. Yeah. Just plastic, good-looking people. Yeah. yeah. And roles that Who need character and act. charm. And- yeah. Yes. Agreed. So they pull up something when raising the anchor. We're going to find out later. That's actually the. It's the fucking body of Elizabeth, isn't it? No, I thought, I thought it, was it was just a bag. a bag. It's a bag. It was, was just like bag? carrying was like items. Yeah. Because yeah. that's yeah. But how- I thought that's her body because at the end of the film we're going to see her sinking. And then landing on the bottom of the ocean with her light dress wrapped around her. Yeah. I thought that was just flashback but no, it was stuff. Def- yeah. And then was- we see that. But yeah, but we see in the final. Again, I don't know who gives a shit. Again, we see at the end that. Oh, twist. Apparently that all these three golden objects were on her person. Right. Well, they well, were think- in the area where the ship went down. Yeah. Okay. That's why I just took it as they were pulling up her body. And this, but this was a haul, was it? This was something. Oh, yeah, no, you're right. We were right. As they're escaping, they drop a bag yeah. off their yeah. haul, don't they? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And that's how the they, items get released because they were in yeah. this bag. Yeah. And that's what disturbs the ghost, is it? Because this bag gets. I, yes. I think that's the implication. <laughs> Interesting. That is. Okay. I think that's the implication because, like, again, in the original, there was the centennial, there was like a yeah, timeline structure sense. that said, this is why they're coming back. Oh, so got to wait 100 years. It makes no sense at right. all. But it makes sense from a storytelling perspective. Right. 
this is like, yeah, they shake out a gold cross, a pocket watch, and what I thought was a, a mirror. Doll. But it's a, well, yeah, there's a doll a down there too. Yeah. Something they, else, like a bunch of gold shit. So is that and, what is meant to bring her back in real life? Like well, his girlfriend? No, we'll get to that. Yeah. We will fucking get to the mess. That, that is what they're doing. I was like, if you can movie. explain that to me, that would be amazing because I don't understand no, that, that at I mean, all. Yeah. yeah, let's get to it in a bit because right. I have a lot of pointed questions. Okay. Pretty much uh, half in, my notes are just questions. Yeah. Just so, uh, yeah. somewhere. Yeah. Like, why even bother? Yeah. Why? Um, how is this a movie that got made? Think of all the things $18 million could do. Right? A lot. It could have just, fed a lot of people. Yeah. Or just like, mm-hmm. give it to me. I would but do it's good. better with hey, it. It's good investment. They made like $45 million or something. That's before it went to digital and oh DVD God. and Blu-ray. Like, they made lots. Give that money away. And keep your 18 million. (laughs) They're mixing this up though. So I'm kind of fine with it. It's like, I don't like this as much, but at least they're doing something different. And I hate, I just have to say right now, a few weeks ago, we finished the Rex series. There's a remake there called Quarantine. Go back and listen to it if you want to hear our full opinions on it. But it's a nearly shot by shot remake of Wreck. And I like nothing less than shot by shot remakes. Like if you're going to remake something, have something to say. I have no problem with you remaking stuff, but do something different. Have something to add in your own vision. Like Rob Zombie's Halloween. I'm not a big fan of Rob Zombie's Halloween, but it is very different from Halloween. And I respect that. He has a vision. That is true. And he fucking goes for it. And this at a moment, okay, it does feel suitably different. So I'm like, I might not like it as much, but at least they are mixing shit up. Mm-hmm. And it feels functional. <laughs> up to this point. <laughs> up to yeah. this point. We get our obligatory Superboy topless shot. Yeah. Heck yeah. yeah. Before he puts on like the hottest sailor sweater ever. I was like, mm. oh yeah. I did not include it count as... as boobs. but Yeah, that doesn't well, no. count as boobs. No, okay. I feel like boobs were specifically looking for female boobs. Okay, yeah. you're looking for the objectification of the female body, not the male body in these films. True. Well, but I yeah, think yeah. if we're objectifying the male body, then like I, it's got to be an ass shot, right? In terms of like things that because a you, shirt off but I think objectification is like needless and your eyes can't look at anything else but so if a girl's got a top off normally your eyes are gonna go to boobs and it's normally needless in these films in this scene it's definitely needless that we cut and this right. top is off and could you look at anything but his beautiful abs yes. no that show no. is for the ladies that was like 100%, 100%. Yeah. yeah that was 100% so for I me. feel I feel it's just as bad but I don't disagree you know, but I just think in terms of like societal norms you know, sure. revealing a f- woman's breasts is different than revealing a man. No, it is. It is. It is. But I and think it's from much a more of a purpose, horror trope than a man taking his shirt off. No, yeah. completely, completely. I'm not arguing. I'm just saying this is a nice surprise. They're already subverting your list. This is true. Know? This is true. Well, they're making him work for his paycheck. They're like, yeah. there's about like, four reasons why we hired reason. you, <laughs> and this scene is one of them. Mm-hmm. Or two. Well, of he was them, shoot. He really. was shooting Smallville as this happened. So he'd shoot Smallville a day and then come and do this at night and got very little sleep. Oh yeah. So those oh. are just two. So he's worked out for Smallville. Well, but it's he's just two projects baby. where he basically has a shirt off most of the time, right? You're yeah, yeah, like, you want to exactly. know how many movies Jamie Lee Curtis made in 1980? Right. <laughs> yeah. Four. And she didn't have to get her top off once. Yeah. Not even once. Four movies. Yeah. Jamie Lee films. Curtis in 1980 makes me feel like the laziest human ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so not we as though people are like. You're turning them down, Shannon. You know, if people gave you four movies and they were like, make them, you weren't like, you weren't be like, I'm tired. She would fucking do it. 100%. Yeah, she would. She Hire would. Hire me. Get it. <laughs> she is capable, people. 
Yeah. Superboy is sleeping, we learn here, with Stevie, while his girlfriend, we think, called Elizabeth, yeah. hint, hint, is thousands of miles away. And we're going to learn more about this later. But there's this weird sort of setup where it's like, oh, am I meant to think he's sleazy? Yeah. Am I meant to think he's been slighted? I or don't know how to feel about it. not a break. No yeah. one knows. Yeah. There's just, there's no point in that little like tidbit of the like, oh, we're no. sleeping. Other than the fact that it makes, I guess maybe it endears him to like go and help save the kid because he likes her and wants to help her. But like. Sure. But then ten- make tension out of it later between the three of them yeah. when they finally meet. Yeah. And they don't. And it's just, it's yeah. like a, this minor, it's like this little plot point that is just completely whoop, thrown by the wayside. Yeah. And as soon as you hear his girlfriend's called Elizabeth, I mean, we know what's, right? Yeah. We know there's yeah. a connection with the Elizabeth Dane. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's that kind of fucking movie. You're right. Uh, yeah. Also learned that his ancestor's name is on one of the statues. Yeah. So yeah. And this one is four, just four statues uh that are just four people who are conspirators essentially mm-hmm. so they've slimmed it down i appreciate that it made it a bit more focused and then we don't have the kid finding the first thing we have a guy with a metal detector on the beach who's just metal detector dude <laughs> I, that's what he does i loved him <laughs> i loved him so much so and great. i love that he had like a wristwatch on his hat <laughs> yes. yes right they're just like make him look crazy yeah is yeah. he homeless i don't know make yeah. him look crazy he finds the timepiece washed up, and as he walks away, a wave laps in and reveals a hand. <sighs> bum, bum, bum. I mean, I don't know what the hand is. Yeah. <laughs> we don't well, get any other I else. think it's just meant to show kind of what you were saying, where there were bodies that are have been disturbed. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So there's more ominous. It's, like it's not just being dug up. Yeah. Like, it's not just bag. treasure. It's like there's something. So, Hound, this one bag got pulled up by the anchor, burst, and then bodies washed <laughs> Sure. Yeah. For literally no reason. I can I can believe the stopwatch thing or like the timepiece, but everything else, no. Yeah. But isn't it later that they find or is it only when the fog comes in or they had the rain or something that everyone starts bringing stuff in? So they're acting like there's been a storm because there's a line that said later on that's like, oh, after every storm, a lot of stuff gets washed up on shore. Oh, yeah. Sure. But then why even have the fucking bag getting disturbed in the beginning? Right. Nobody knows. I don't understand. What's really disappointing to me is, like I said, Graham Ravel done some great scores. This score is terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely ghastly. Other than the pop punk. Well, no, I'm talking about the score. Oh, okay. Soundtrack. Soundtrack. I'm But you're you're... You're brought in to do the score for the remake of John Carpenter's The Fog. You fucking have a little panic. Yeah. Like, that's what you, like, one of the most, like, beloved film composers of all time, John Carpenter, and you're brought in to do a new score. You panic and you fucking pull your weight. Yeah. This is the laziest score I think I've ever heard in a horror movie. It's just so dull. And to believe it came from Graham Ravel is very upsetting. We do get this cool image of birds flying in the sky. Again, it's just sort of random, oh, yeah. spooky yeah. imagery. I don't know what it's meant to mean. And then there's a dead dog, and Izzy looks away, I'm guessing. It was very sad. It was. <laughs> Katie likes to cover Izzy's well, eyes whenever bad things happen. And that also introduces us, the dead dog oh introduces us to the character that just has a growing uh, the saddest man, problem. The saddest man in this whole movie. Yeah, yeah, what the fuck is going on with this guy? I think... Nobody, nobody cares. I think it's supposed to be... I think it's supposed to be that he has leprosy and, like, the the lepers are coming yeah. back. That's what I, I got think that. it's supposed oh. to be. But I didn't get how he got it. I felt like he had to have been, like, touched by one of them or something. I don't know. From the dead dog? Like, the... I am, no. Oh, did it spread from the dog? Maybe. Oh. <gasps> I don't know, but it's very wow. unclear. Because in my head, the dog 
So in my head, the dog was like freaking out. And in him trying to calm the dog down, the dog like attacked him. And then the dog was killed by the piratey, whatever ghost. So I thought like one of his dogs had mauled him while it was in a frenzy. And that's what I got from it. But the leprosy thing makes so much more sense. And it makes it even sadder that nobody says a fucking thing to him about, are you okay? (laughs) No one cares. What is going on with your face? Like he puts a sad bandaid on it at one point. Still, no one says anything. No one. It's so weird. He even like touches it while he's conversing with people to bring attention yeah. to it. And no one, everyone just looks away. There's so many weird plot points in this movie. That oh just, my like, God. That makes so much sense. Thank you, Shannon, for helping me. Because I was and then we have so confused. One of my least favorite scenes that I've seen in a long time. Which oh. is Superboy picking up the hitchhiker, oh, which turns out to be his girlfriend. And uh. the music that's playing, like, I mean, yeah, sure, some of the songs are fun in a pop punk 90s kind of way. This, but then you have these insipid fucking songs as well. And oh my God, man, this scene. It's so bad. Oh, she's walking from the airport or the boat or what? Like, where the fuck is. She's, she's walking from New York. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Like, that's where she's coming back from. I know, but she must have like to get to the island. You have to take a fucking boat. Yeah, dress like a sailor, because that's not an indicator. Did people just forget how to act like real people over the decades between 1980 and this? Because it's just terrible. Plus, like the energy between these two is fucking terrible. So if we are meant to think that they did not break up and that him sleeping with the DJ girl is him cheating on his girlfriend. We now he's now then fully established as a sleazy yeah. motherfucker because yeah, he'll just pick up anybody. He, no, because he picks. So he drives by her and he's like, do you need a ride? And she's like, you're not going the right way. So he fucking flips a bitch and turns his car <laughs> around. And he's like, no, I am. Oh, shit. You're my girlfriend. <laughs> and I'm like, if I was his girlfriend and that guy did that, uh-huh. I would immediately be like, and we are broken up. We yeah, are we're going to learn a lot about her in a minute, which I have. I need. To well, yeah. To. But we're not quite They're both terrible people, is what we learn. I'm also annoyed with Selma Blair because she keeps having conversations off mic while she's doing the radio broadcast. She just wanders over to other bits of the room while still talking as if anyone could hear her. Yeah. Like, it's like, just at least pretend to be professional. It's just, ugh. Um, and now we're on the seagrass. So the comedy sidekick is hanging out with Superboy's cousin and two girls who all they can do is scream. Uh, they can dance pretty well. Hello. They literally could do nothing else. It's ingratiating. Can you imagine being them? Can you imagine how tiring that shoot was for them? Uh, Yes. It looks very fucking cold is what it looks like. Yeah, I'm sure they were freezing. It's like cold is it out there? Probably two or three days to shoot that maybe all over night shots. So then they aren't starting until nine. They're probably going from like nine until four or five every single night. It's freezing. Mm -hmm. And these girls are just just wooing and dancing in bikini tops thinking we've made it. (laughs) It's Mm -hmm. fucking terrible. And it's going to get worse. But when we come back to them in a minute. Meanwhile, the doomsayer has found Elizabeth, gives it the timepiece and tells her if you touch it, things will change. So she touches it and it starts ticking. Best pickup line ever. Maybe. I mean, and also, what what does he know? Well, it's because he's touched it. So it now has, he now knows things. Oh. 
Yeah. Inside it, it's got like a little engraved from the people who made it. There's a crown of scales and a sort of seven, I think. I don't really know what that is. Her knowing how to get the inscription on the back. <sighs> don't. Oh my God. That's because so her mom's good. an antiques. So, uh... They thought of everything. Sure. It's just her that doesn't sell it. <laughs> the story sells it. She is god awful. I don't. I can't believe how bad oh, she is. So funny. It's unfathomable how bad. I don't remember her being this bad in anything else. I've seen her in. I've never loved her. But she is every scene. It's just so hard to watch her. Yeah. And I, before this, I was really eye rolling old Superboy, and now I'm just like, please, more time with him because he at least oh, yeah. he has a modicum of charisma. Yeah. And what's worse is her character is written as incredibly fucking self involved in this. Oh yeah. Which, yeah, we'll get there. Plus, she's like a, a little weatherman. too gangly to be sexy. Like, I don't even oh, yeah. find no, her womanly sexy. attractive. No. Things that I think, as yeah. we talked about, that are like hinting at like piratey outfits, sure. right? She's- <laughs> yes, definitely. And the little schooner cap and things. And I'm definitely. like, definitely. Yeah. And we'll get there later, but none of it makes any sense. No. No. Any sense. In fact, it makes the reverse of sense, but we'll it get makes there. The reverse of sense. It does. <laughs> Uh, we got a new weatherman who's got a cool little setup. He gets to look out of a window now at the ocean, I which seems do more not like him. Um, and he tells Selma Bring back Blair about the fog bank that's going against the wind. I've written down this film is just boring. Yeah, the engine breaks on the seagrass, but Spooner doesn't care. These fucking girls, though, I swear to God. And what's what Woo! is worse is as soon as the music stops, the girls just like zombies start putting their clothes back on because girls are so vacant that they have to be kept distracted in order to coerce sex from them. Yeah. It's very cold all of a sudden. And then he's like, oh no, it's just that song just got static at the beginning. Girls, don't worry, keep peak being distracted so maybe I can sleep with you. It's so terrible. It's one of the most demeaning things I've seen in a long, long time. And then a big CGI fog bank rolls in. I saw these making ofs where they very proudly showed the crazy ways they used real fog. And it was actually pretty crazy. They like had people in fog machines so they could run with fog emitting from Ooh, them. Oh my that's God, cool. that's amazing. Like insane stuff. But the majority of this movie is CGI fog. Like it looks yeah. terrible. Yeah. There's maybe a couple of good bits later, but the majority of this looks bad. Yeah. And this is where we find out what happened with fucking Elizabeth. Nick brings her to her house. And then he says, I wake up one morning and you're gone. No, 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 nothing. And her reply is, I don't belong in this island, Nick. <laughs> like, you're a fucking terrible person. But it's also like, why would you even pick her up? You would no. be fucking mad. Yeah. And she would be apologetic. And instead, she just acts like, I'm your girlfriend. What are you doing picking up? No, you're not. You fucked off. You didn't leave a note. You didn't say anything. Somehow, yeah. I presume by osmosis of social media, he knows she's in New York or some shit. Like, they don't explain any of it. And she's terrible. Yeah. Like, I know. And even when his friend was like, oh, you slept with the DJ girl, I would have been like, yeah, I did. Fuck yeah. I did. Absolutely. <laughs> have you seen him? He's Superboy. Yeah. He'd be like, I am the hottest guy within like 500 miles. Of course, I'm sleeping with everyone who wants Absolutely. to sleep with me. And that's all he's really got going for him. So yeah. use it. And he's like, I have a fucking boat, guys. Yeah. It's a big deal. Oh, well, yeah. hang on. No, not quite. We're Father Malone. No, Father Malone shouting at people. With, We're so brain Because <laughs> 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 they just decided, why have those, those creepy scenes of realization? Let's just Aww. cut to him drunk and understanding everything and being It's like they That's took like, the best character in the first one, which was Father Malone, and we're like, let's make a mockery of him. 
Yes. With this somehow hotter priest, but that does a really terrible job, which just adds to my theme of let's take younger, hotter, less mm-hmm. less capable people and just put them in the roles. And this is what the movie industry does now. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we'll get there. When we get to the end of the series, I'm interested how we feel about remakes, because that's part of the point of this. However, things get even worse for those screaming girls because the seagrass dials explode. The girls scream, and I swear to God, because I rewound this to listen to it again, the dialogue, whether ad-libbed or scripted from Spooner, is stop screaming, we'll get nothing done. And then one of the girls is uh, possessed, I think? She starts drawing scales on the window in condensation. Yeah. I just love her friend. Her friend's like, what are you doing? What are you... What's happening? Oh, you're just, oh, is that, are we playing a game? What's, and then she just shuts up and watches her friend draw pictures. They're just the throwing spot. everything at this. Like, oh, spooky birds in the sky. Oh, this person's screaming and knows stuff. Oh, if you touch this and something happens. Oh, let's have the bag break. Oh, let's have the drawing. Like, it's just loads of ideas without any focus or creativity, even the ideas. They're just dumb ideas to begin with. Yeah. Uh, but we do get the polite knock, which returns, which later on we're going to get an explanation for. And I like that. I'm going to say right now. Oh, true. Yeah. Now, we also go back to Maggie, old Elizabeth, as she's going into a family home. Now, I think, I think, because the movie and her acting and the dialogue are not giving me this, that we're meant to feel sympathy for Maggie Grace as she just walks back into her home and expects to be greeted. But from what we've learned, she walked off, left her life, her parents, her boyfriend, and gave no warning or explanation to anyone. And she comes back with zero apology. And then I think we're meant to feel sympathy that her mom treats her like shit. But her mom doesn't even really treat her like shit. Her mom literally no. just asks her very normal questions and expects human decency from her. I mean, she could be nicer, but I would be fucking furious. I would have been super mad. Like, I, she's, a, she's not a nice person and no. I don't want to be around her. No. It was a huge problem in your leads. I'd be like, whatever pirate play you fell out of, you need to go back to because you can't just come home and be like, can I move back into my room? No, get out. And then they, they have the goal to poke fun at the original The Fog by saying, we're going to have wild and crazy sex with a strange hitchhiker. It's like, no. fuck you. Never no. take the piss out of the thing you're remaking. That's not good. No. And then following up on what you were talking about before, Shannon, one of the worst shower sex scenes ever. It's not even shower sex. It's just shower fondling because that is a straight up standing shower for one person. Nothing, nothing sexy is happening in that shower. Not one thing. And then the score makes it even oh, worse. It's so bad. And then what makes it even worse is like, she's not even that character. There's no way this girl strokes people's backs in the shower. No. <laughs> like. No, that girl is. Oh, it goes on and on and on. Which with no nudity is crazy. <laughs> like, it's just, what are you even doing? And then we just cut to Superboy who's creepily watching her sleep. <laughs> He's just staring at her while she's sleeping. No, she has. She wakes from her dream here about the burning ship. Um, and he's just like watching her. <laughs> and then she said she came home because she's been having these dreams a lot. So, I mean, we know what's going on, right? Even though it makes no sense. We know Elizabeth, she's having dreams. She's come back. Clearly, she's connected in some way. But when you actually have to start thinking about it, it's like, is it reincarnation? Is it like what? And we're going to get there. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of, and what I love is like he's going to be crazy in love with her so much that he just watches her sleep <laughs> and, then, and forgives her for all this shit. Maybe he's just and making he, sure she's not running away or something. I guess. Yeah, yeah, probably. <gasps> Watching he's like chaining She wakes up and he's, up and he's just, just tying her down, right? 
You can never leave me now. <laughs> Which is 100% more what this character's into, not stroking yeah. in the chair. Yeah. But inst- she then wakes up and she's all like, I'm having these dreams all the time and it's burning and death. And instead of talking about it, he just hugs her yeah. and goes back to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> shh, shh, like, shh. I forgot shh, how annoying it is when you yeah. talk. Let's not mm-hmm. talk about I your like problems. I you so much better when you're quiet. <laughs> so they're both just terrible. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, like, yeah. That's all the film's telling me. Yeah. So she looks up this timepiece brand on the Googles and then the computer glitches and says, Dane, uh, I wrote down here, I hate this film. <laughs> I've gone very quickly from, oh, it's doing things different. Oh, it's boring. Oh, I hate this. <laughs> it's a little bit of a, it's a roller coaster. I fucking hate ghosts taking over technology. Yeah. Like having a screen just turn into Dane. It's like, did they, how did they pick which font they were going to use? Like, it's just... It's crazy. It. Oh, now I just want to see that scene where all the ghosts are like huddled around a computer. It's like, no, no, go back. And there's just one guy that's like, Comic Sans. And they're like, no one wants Comic Sans. It's- Put it in bold. Yes, all capitals. I like this. There are wet footprints on the ceiling. It doesn't really make yeah, any sense. Yeah, that was cool. But, um, but it looks cool. Yeah. She goes to investigate Shannon. Uh, almost, you don't have a trope down on your list for this, but I feel like you should for girls in underwear. No pants. Around. No pants. How yeah, but you don't. Like, do you fucking do things after you just slept with your boyfriend and you walk around and put pants on? No. You're in the middle of night in your house in a privacy. You're probably naked. No. I put pants on because I get cold. That's the whole thing. You put- and at one point she goes and she puts on a sweater. But I'm like, She puts a sweater on, not where but you're not cold. No anything. pants. My legs get cold. I am cold always. I want to wear you, pants. They're in a seaside a town. With my film. <laughs> They're in a seaside town. It's it's like damp cold there, and she walks outside and like. Why are you presuming she doesn't have heating inside? I can tell you. No, no, no. I, have I been mean, a woman if she walks for a outside, long time, and I've never, I have, I can only think of a couple occasions where I have walked around my apartment totally alone in just my underwear. I don't like it. Oh my! It makes God. me cold. Oh. It's not my thing. I'm, I've never dated anybody who would put on that stuff to like walk around. They just I get up and they're either naked or they're in underwear or whatever. You I walk around a lot without anything pants. on. So, I'm not gonna like. We can do a poll of all the women in the world for after they slept with their boyfriend, how they walk around their house at nighttime. But I'm gonna say it's not unusual, hundred percent, for a girl to just throw on a t-shirt in her underwear and walk around. Like that's very normal. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, the pan up from her legs past her butt is oh, maybe. <laughs> I remembered my favorite. Shannon and I both had a reaction to this. Speaking of the technology thing, so she does. A drawing oh, yeah. of this fucking symbol by doing a rubbing. Yeah. When there's no Okay, so she does she does like the shh on this piece of paper yeah. and the negative space is the outline of right. this symbol of the countermeasure thing, right? Right. Which is what you would have to do if there's a rubbing underneath whatever oh, she's embossed, doing. You mean. But there's no original item that she would have that has that symbol on it yeah so she doesn't draw anything she doesn't draw it what she's done has done a rubbing of an imprint of that image i don't I mean, know i didn't say ghost rubbing yeah don't say that but it's like <laughs> shannon and i both like we literally had to pause the movie and we're yeah. like wait how it made no sense how did that just happen because she would have already had to have had that image on something, put a piece of paper over it and taken a pencil and gone over the top of it to then see what that image was. It 
It's very. I, I really. I don't even remember this moment in the movie. So oh. like, I. I'm going with you on it. I have no idea. She because it's meant I to make no you think that she drew it off of right. the screen or whatever on her computer. When in essence, what she would have had is an original copy. I see. What, I see what you're saying. Raised, I understand what you're saying. It's just saying so I don't like. <laughs> wait. What? <laughs> yeah. She gets the polite knock, and then the kid on the beach finds it's not a mirror. What is it? It's a fucking. Um, it's a hairbrush. Oh, it's, it's the mirror hairbrush. brush thing something. Yeah. 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 So again, this is what I'm really noticing. Where they're doing these parodies with the original. And like, yeah, you're not shooting it as well. You're not trusting the shots or the actors. Like, yeah. there's so much just editing yeah. around the place. Ooh, would you trust those actors? No. no because yeah. we've got Selma Blair as the most unbelievable mother. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just when we terrible. see this lacy thonged Selma Blair with yeah. her child sitting on the bed, I feel it's inappropriate. Oh, 100%. <laughs> Like, even for the actors in that room, I was like, I would have been uncomfortable sending that boy into that scene yeah. when she's laying in the bed like that. Yeah, my like, favorite actor in this he movie should not is be the little boy. Eh. <laughs> yeah, the, the original little boy is better. He's got, like, the perfect yeah, little chipmunk sure. face. Not this uh, kid. Maggie Grace's mom works in the or- antique auction house, and she goes there, finds a book, because, you know, books. Right. And finds the brand, and then learns some stuff from a guy there. Like, up north, they would make all of these things out of gold um and it and they had leprosy spread there and it became a leprosy colony that was basically making this stuff and then they shut it down i think that's all we learn at that point isn't it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah superboy then runs into stevie so you get a little bit of awkwardness for a second but that's it yeah that's the payoff of them sleeping together outside of scenes no, yeah makes no sense unnecessary and then he finds out the seagrass never came back so they go out on a little speedboat this time to find it dead people there but the spooner is still alive in this one and yeah. he says the fog killed them it couldn't get me in the freezer. I know. <laughs> Which they don't use again. I know. No. Well, it's what, like, I, I was thinking like, oh, for sure. Someone's going to hide again in the freezer. We're going to have retained this information and learn something. Nope. Never again. Do you know what's worse than terrible exposition to set up things later in a film? Doing that for no reason at all. <laughs> like he should just be dead then. Yeah. Like there's no reason for you to put us through the pain. Of watching him act these terrible lines of the fog killed them, it couldn't get me in the freezer, and then you don't even do anything with it. It's terrible. Yeah, I wanted everyone in this to get in a freezer and then not come out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it would have been great. And then I realized, then I realized the mayor is the Irish guy from Survival of the Dead, which you can go listen to a podcast there. He drove me up the fucking wall in that. I could not figure out who he reminded me of, so maybe that's it. He's in quite a few things. Okay. Uh, Superboy stole the camera, though. That they were filming the girl right. screaming with, because you know he needs so this more content. Him giving her the camera is a perfect example of how the director felt about giving them their props because she's like later she's like, oh, I lost it. Yeah, <laughs> he's like mm-hmm. this is how much I trust you guys with anything because you're yeah. all worthless. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> yes. He's like, I gave you the one piece of evidence that it could save my friend from going to jail for the rest of his life. Dropped it. And you're like, yeah, I fucking lost it. Yeah. Whatever. I I wrote down, I was like, wow, she did a terrible job of keeping that camera safe. Yeah. She had it for about 10 minutes. You had one job. You had one job. Now we have, now we have a, you know what? Like, I think we just said that lighthouse still exists. Instead, we have a CGI lighthouse. That looks like a penis. Yeah. hundred percent looks like a penis. It looks like a penis. I mean, why would you just use the fucking original lighthouse? Like what? Yeah. It's still there. $18 million. Build it. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, the weatherman has sent, this is a ridiculous scene. The weatherman has sent Stevie a webcam right. which he attaches and just like magic, he appears. I know. Like a computer. 
<laughs> and then he tells a pretty cool, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, I get that this only exists so we can see the death, but like, ugh. If we, if I got an nope. anonymous webcam in the mail, last thing I'm yeah. gonna do is put it on. Oh, and then just 100%. be like, hello. Yeah, and it and physically it just possesses your computer, but you're oh, attaching yeah. it. Yeah. And then they do this, so yeah, she could see the death, but she closes the laptop as soon as it starts to happen. I know it makes no sense. <laughs> Yeah, the, everything about it, this, the writing is just ridiculous. Yeah. Like it's just terrible. It's like they took ten different versions and just mixed up the pages. Yeah. Um, Maggie's watching the tape, and then she has a little swim. She just she's a terrible swimmer. Falls, falls in, drops the tape. She gets flashbacks to a previous life, I guess, and then she, she finds a journal in a town on the water, and she can't fucking swim in waist right? deep water. Yeah. I mean, is the implication supposed to be that the seaweed is like keeping her from go? Is like literally. I think so. Grabbing her. I think the sea's holding her down because it wants her to remember. Remember when you drowned? Right. Al, I'm assuming this is where you got your starfish material. Oh. From this film. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, So, and also this boathouse was apparently the original home of Father Malone. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. He obviously he would live in the church. Right. I mean. Yeah. Why would you even live in the position of a boathouse? <laughs> so what, it, wait, I remember there's something, so there's a symbol or something on the side of his boathouse, right? Or no, something written. No, there's like a saying that's written. That's oh, yeah, been, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's been yeah. put on the side of his boathouse. And she goes, what does it mean? And he gives the wrong translation yeah. for it. Because yes. I then looked it up. And it was written, he's like, it was written in an ancient language or something. And he supposedly says it's Latin. It's Aramaic. Yeah. Because he says it's from the Bible. And I'm like, yes, it's from the Bible, but it's from deep, deep, deep in the Bible. And then he said it was something to do with uh, everything must be repaid. And it does not mean that. Yeah. At all. Well, okay. Do you have what it does mean? Yeah. Okay, can you get it to us later? Because that's actually, it's a different scene. It's when she goes to the graveyard. It's like written on the side of the grave. Um, yeah. Oh, I thought it was thing. on his boathouse. No, no, no. It's on this thing. And she sees it written like graffiti because, you know, the ghost pirate to do graffiti now. Right. And, um, and then what's really weird is he tells her what it says, but then at the end of the movie, he then mutters to someone else that he had lied. Yeah. And what it really says is maybe what you're trying to say. No. But you can't hear no. a fucking word he says because I watched it three it wrong. times. He still yeah. gets it wrong. He still get it wrong? Yeah. Oh, man. I can even hear what he said. It's anyway, there's a fire scene at the lighthouse replicating that one from before and it leaves now stupid burn marks in the shapes of scales on her kid's mm. pictures, which are all of boats. Yeah. And this little fucking, her shitty fucking kid just goes straight to the beach after saying he wouldn't, which I appreciated in the original. He didn't. Yeah. He was a good kid in the original. Which I just can't like anybody in this fucking film because yeah. they're all assholes. Yeah. And then, yeah, this is where Maggie goes see Father Malone. He's just drinking in the graveyard and there's graffiti saying, oh, no, okay, so here it just says the writing on the wall. Yeah. And, yeah. No, sorry. Yeah, yeah, it does. Uh, and it's also got the scales there, which, which is just so dumb. It's like, really? These ghosts? It's not even in blood. They're yeah. just using red graffiti. It's literally red spray paint. Maggie gives him the journal, but he's not interested and just tells her to get off the island. <laughs> We got a body comes. I'm sorry, I'm losing the will, guys. Yeah. We got a body comes to life, and it says blood for blood. And then she explains the book and her dream to Nick, but he's clearly just wishing that she'd stayed away so that he could keep picking up hitchhikers and making out. Yeah. With girls yeah. He looks so bored. He looks so. He's like, oh, this is a mistake. <laughs> I've made a terrible mistake. And this fucking scene. They're in there. She, they're going through this, and then they start looking up, and there's just <laughs> photos of the town everywhere. And they literally pan from, oh, look, 
We used to be shacks and cabins, and then two years later, a big town. What? Where did the money come from? Also, when did the resources to build that in two years come from? It's not possible. Right. Anyway. right. Money alone it's does just... not build that town. Yeah. And in fact, nobody noticed it. There's all these photos literally laid out in perfect chronological order with dates on them, and no one ever went, oh, that's weird. Oh, okay. Everybody is hammered in this town all the time. Oh, yeah. That is true. Yeah. Oh, so then we get flashback where they all say each other's names again. Yeah. We're gradually getting drip-fed this backstory. Spooner escapes for no reason. Yeah. Metal detector dude. Sorry. I'm just trying to get through it. No, I hear it. Yeah. I, I, I hear it I'm like, why the fuck is he out of the hospital? Who, who, what? <sighs> no. There's no reason. Yeah. And metal detector dude's on the beach when he comes across a table and chairs with a chandelier next to it. I kind of like this scene. I know. I like that I thought that it was moment. so dumb. I was like, Ooh, it's but I thought it was cool. Yeah, but, but again, again, it's just more imagery. No, I know. From, oh, this it's could be spooky, like but it ties into nothing. Yeah. It's an idea that does nothing. Yes. Take like, one or two of these there? and then do them many times well. Yeah. Well, and then like, make them into a mythos. And then what happens? Or does the random homeless beach man it, he dies as he follows this rope <laughs> out? Like <laughs> he, he tries to pull. He tries to pull a ship in by himself, and instead of doing anything, he just pulls himself out into the water and drowns. Yeah. As, a, as the little boy just watches yeah. this ridiculous scene play out. Yeah. Like, it's absurdism. It's, uh, it's crazy. And then, and then he, the CGI fog just rolls in and descends on the town yeah. as the weatherman skypes Stevie. So I am liking, they haven't shown the ghosts yet, but we're getting these little CGI ripples, which mm -hmm. are pissing me off. But we haven't actually seen them yet. And I'm like, okay, this is cool. I'll ask for that. Like, let's cut that back a little bit. I will say one of the things of I do like about this is the sound effect when the fog is coming in of that kind of like rewound kind of. Oh, yeah. yeah. I like this. Oh, yeah. yeah. Thick, this like repeated thing throughout. It's eerie and it's. Yeah. I thought that sound effect was cool. It's my favorite part of this cool. whole movie, to be fair. <laughs> uh, we get a polite knock and he tries to go back. Like, really, this is the bit they carry over from the old film is, hang on, sweetheart. Don't worry, darling. <laughs> Gonna go check this out. And then she gets, uh, she gets to watch him burn. So decides, yeah, to close the laptop, like we said. And then she rings her kid, not the police. No. Uh, but the fog takes out the phone lines. The lady yep. just wants to watch Jeopardy. Now, where I thought they had the budget now to do a bigger celebration, they put even less emphasis on it in this film. Bewilderingly less. And then Maggie, out of nowhere, and we're quite a way into the film, we're getting near the end, and Maggie starts seeing a shadowy figure that looks like Gary Oldman in Dracula. Oh, yeah. Like, exactly like it. And she starts, now, we're now getting this thing of, oh, okay, there is something else going on. There's some other bullshit mythos they're about to shove down our throats. And then Steve, Stevie's screaming down the radio, there's something in the fog! Which I feel is a bit of a stretch for the information she's been given so far. Yeah. Because her guy she, on Skype just set himself on fire. Is, yes. All that she knows is there was a fire at the weather station. That's yes. it. But she does leave the radio station this time, which I appreciate. Yeah. She wants to go and get a kid. To get in her cool-ass car. She does have a cool car. Kind of looks like and it this follows. Is what we Really learn a lot of the background. So Blake wants, uh, Blake was a lead guy from the leper colony who was making all of this gold and stuff. And he wanted to purchase half the island for his leper people because they've been rejected from where they were doing stuff up in North California. And they'd been traveling down the coast near Elizabeth Dane. And then the four founding fathers of the island made an agreement with him to bring their colonies gold. Uh, sorry, to bring, uh, yeah, yeah, their colonies gold. And they would give them land. Uh, but then they double-cross him because they don't want the lepers, so they take the gold, burn the whole ship down, kill people. Well, on people. accident. They didn't mean to burn the ship. I don't know. Well, well, they mean to fucking kill people. I th oh, I thought it, like, 
caught fire and then they reacted. But mm. maybe I misinterpreted that. I mean, what did they think was going to happen? Are they going to take the gold and just go? Yeah, like, they were basically just going to double cross them and be like, we're taking your money. Don't show back up here. Okay. But, well, I mean, either way. I don't know. Whatever. Whatever. Um, and then a town was built on this gold in those two years. But to add to all of this, we, which is great. They've made it simpler. I don't mind that. They're tying in the ghosts want to kill the four, like the ancestors, any ancestors of these four people. I get that. That makes more sense. You're improving on certain aspects of the original story. But let's mess it all up by doing two things. Let's just get to this right now. So number one, I've checked this a few times because, but it's the same actor who's playing Blake as is playing the mayor of the town. Oh, I mean, I check, like, if anyone, again, I mean, anyone else can check if they want to. It confused the fuck out of me, because I know this guy, but maybe I got it wrong. What? But I did check, because they really hide on IMDb who, which actors played what. Wait. Is it not? No. Okay. No. Who is the guy who plays? Who plays Elizabeth's husband? Are you talking about the lead pirate guy? Mm-hmm. No, he's not the mayor. Yeah. I've seen him in other stuff before. Yeah, they're okay, not good. the same person. Okay, good, good, good. All right, all right. They just look very, very simple. So that was confusing me. So then, okay. So then we're left with mistake. the bigger problem, which is that Elizabeth, our Elizabeth in now, played obviously by the same person who was the Elizabeth from the ship. However, also confirmed to be the ancestor of one of the people who killed the people yeah. on the ship. Yeah. And looks, and yet looks exactly like the Elizabeth who was Blake's wife or whatever on the ship. Mm-hmm. And Blake is somehow reason in love with her we think, and like, and he seems to mostly just want her. When you get to the end, the twist seems to be it's mostly about getting her. Right. And it's all tied into, and she's like, remembers him and all this shit as if she was being reincarnated. But she's reincarnated as one of the ancestors of the people who killed his entire colony. And herself. And herself. Like, it, I don't even understand what they're trying to do. Listen, no one really understands reincarnation now. You know, it's, it's not a definitive science yet. So then at least acknowledge Time travel. <gasps> and have some conflict. Time travel pirates. With Blake of, I want to kill you because we're on revenge for the ancestors of the people who killed us and our people. But also, you look just like this chick I used to be in love with. Like, it's, there's no conflict. She seems to be tied to the Elizabeth that died, right? The Elizabeth Dane sure. that died, 100%. Whether it's reincarnation or whatever. But her dialogue... Mm -hmm. She leaves the island and has this whole thing about how the island isn't for me and all of this sort of stuff. Whereas I think it would be the opposite if she was actually yeah. the reincarnation of this person that like the island is calling her back and like the island is her home. That's where she feels the most comfort. You know, I don't know. But it was right? the island that betrayed her, though, to be fair, betrayed them. Yeah. So maybe it's meant a point to that. Yeah. It's really fucking messy. Yeah. And like everything else in this movie, it points to some screenwriter having an idea and then never thinking it through. Yeah. Not or it once. was like they just allowed different people to write different parts of this movie and then smush yeah. them together because honestly, that's what I mean. It's there's like no continuous thread at all. No. Yeah. Except that no. the same people are in it throughout. We get a fog hand coming out of the sink now, which infects the babysitting on with CGI. Yeah. <laughs> also, they like, call her the ant. And I'm like, that girl is in no way related to this Stevie no. Wayne Yeah, character. no, not at all. In no way. Absolutely not. No. But again, like, so yeah, here's another idea. Because that would make like, her her right. sister. And that right. is not well, her then, sister. 
then let's go with infecting everyone with leprosy or something if that's yeah. what you're going with but you don't do that it's like it's so all over the place and then we get this weird fucking car crash scene yeah and selma blair is grabbed by some cgi ghosts and by this point i'm just so tired yeah of she does not like, get I'm leprosy just... no no and it's just cgi bullshit everywhere at this point yeah, yeah. they had no, to just put like, that oh. 18 million somewhere right and Spooner is still around for some absolute garbage reason. Yeah. They didn't want to kill the the person of color. They yeah, were like, "We're not going to be that like, movie. We can't do this." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know? Uh, did you have that down on your list? Yeah. Of, the like, person yeah. of color dies already first. dies first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There you go. Because she, as soon as we saw him, she's like, "Oh, we're, we're going to cross this off my list." And I'm like, "I don't know." I know. I was very disappointed. Yeah. Is that a correct terminology now? Person of color. Is that what we were meant to be saying? I mean, it just it covers all bases everything yeah okay. right okay okay yeah so they see some ghost ship another car crash this director just doesn't understand pacing or editing yeah. at all. things just happen yeah yeah like there's no timing um and then we learn though i do like this like i said earlier the polite knock came from the four men from the island knocking on the ship at night to come aboard i think that's cool right yeah i liked that and then we nearly have a scene and it occurred to me here because we nearly have this scene of people lost in the fog for a second after the car crash mm-hmm. but it doesn't happen and i was like wait how do we have two films called the fog and no one's ever lost in fog yeah or any of these kids like they should have had the kid at one point get lost or something, something. like no one mm-hmm. everyone just seems to know how to get around no matter what yeah just tense moments of like being out in the middle of the street in the fog and you don't know what's there and like yeah like the mist style you know i don't understand but they find Stevie, there's no tension between the weird threesome thing, and then they just head off to the town hall. Why? Yeah. Why? No yeah. one knows. Yeah. 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 Well, because it's not the same as like in the original where it's like the, where the fog is siphoning them to the church, right? There's no. 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 Right. And why? It's like the church made sense. The gold cross was hiding there. No one cares about your fight. <laughs> where are these boatloads of people, by the way? <laughs> where are these boatloads of people? Selma looks outside, sees a small group of five ghosts walking in perpetual slow motion, and then says, they're everywhere. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> they're just, they're right there. And it's fucking like bright room that they're in, and fucking Superboy is just shining his torch at everything the whole time. So funny. And you just feel that as an actor, if he's going, they're going to make it work. They're going to make it work in post. It's going to be fine. <laughs> and for people who don't know, yeah, when you make dark scenes in horror movies, it's very difficult because you have to overlight. And then do, yeah, a lot in post to make it work. So sure, as an actor, it's not always their fault when you see this stuff. It's just the director's fault. Then we get this terrible CGI glass scene with Father Malone, which goes on for ages with thousands of shards of glass. Oh my God, I forgot about this. Rotating around him. And then three go through him and the rest do nothing. Yeah. That's like at least have the thousands of shards just all going through him at once or something. This isn't Hellraiser, Al. Calm down. And Elizabeth goes off with the ghost and Blake makes out with her. <laughs> Which at least makes yes. sense as to why he got set on fire because obviously the people on board got set on fire. What I don't understand is why they choose to have bits of glass go through Father Malone. Why wouldn't no. everyone get set on fire? It's because this film is utter garbage. Like, they could have done some weird Final Destination shit with this, where they were like, everyone is either going to get drowned in an unlikely place, or, like, yeah, get set on fire, or die the same way, or every time, like, I don't know, even when she's making out with this ghost guy, she should be having (laughs) leprosy crawl up her face, or something, like... They did. Instead, they heal each other. Then you get these terrible people. Uh, like, oh, just horrible. We're all hanging out. Uh, it's just uh. plus, 
They then all disappear. Superboy's still alive. He's an ancestor. Selma Blair is still alive. She's an ancestor. Yeah. What? I mean, even if you can get over Elizabeth is technically an ancestor, but for whatever reason, you know, she's also imbued with the previous incarnate and whatever. There's still people they didn't kill. Yeah. And then this god-awful bored VO from Selma Blair at the end. <laughs> Just really bad. And then they end the film by trying to do what I think they think is a twist, showing Elizabeth and Blake and she's holding the items. <laughs> it's like, I really couldn't care less. Like, that's yeah. the last thing I'm thinking about. Is whose timepiece was this? Because that's really going to make the whole <laughs> plot tie together nicely. All I wanted to know is if the man with the dogs was ever recognized by ha- of having leprosy. Like if anyone ever <laughs> acknowledged his face. Yeah. Nobody cares. He's literally like walking around the town asking for help and no one cares. Like I just forgot how remakes in, in this era, what we in the UK call the noughties. Like I don't think remakes are this bad anymore. Like, there were some good ones in this year as well, don't get me wrong. Like, I think the Ring remake is good. Like, there's a few. But it's this, we're still stuck in the 90s, but we don't even have the charisma of any of that. We're just doing this terrible photocopy of it. And it's just so dull. That's what's terrible. It's just so dull. So just to be clear, Shan, because, yeah, you and you do our horror shows. Normally, how we get do is we get to the end, and then I pass it around. We each get our say on how we felt about it. And this, <laughs> it's not, no, no, no. I'm just saying, it's like I started it. It's nice just to have a conversation at the end of these, because the judgment on the end of each episode is going to be which is better, uh, the original or the remake. But we could have, like, a lot. I mean, for me, it's remake. like, for me, it's so, I mean, I honestly, I'm not hyperbolic about it this is one of the worst horror films i've ever seen but not because it's not like there are there's some professionalism going on here because you've got 18 million dollars you're gonna have some fucking professionalism but it's not in the writing it's not in the creativity it's not in like any of these oh really all the story like it's there's nothing like it's baffling this film is baffling and going through it has just exasperated me and there are lots of films from the 80s which are terrible and we might get to quite a few of them However, there's a sense of fun from them because they, they're made by passionate, sometimes stupid people who are fans of the genre, you know, and are just having fun as independent filmmakers. And that can make for terrible films, but it can be charm and charisma that comes from that. Or just it's so bad, it's good. This film, there's no way it could get so bad, it's good. It's just so bland, it just sucks the soul from you as you're watching it. Some of these elements on paper, I can see it makes sense. Let's open on the, on the Elizabeth Dane sinking in this one. Let's try and tie everything into the ancestor. Like, there's certain things in here which I get make sense, but there's so much else here that just doesn't make any sense. And the stuff that does make sense, you still got to do it right, and they just don't. Plus, well, they just make her a terrible me. person. So yeah. even, if, even if you're meant to want to like her, you can't. You literally cannot like anyone in this movie because they're all yeah. down no, to I the really little don't. kid. Like Al said, they're just awful awful people that you're like i would i wouldn't care if i watched this entire town be overrun with leprosy and then set on fire like you would not want that for your characters you don't want people to watch this and want everyone to die it's just it's ridiculous but then they can't be scary yeah that's the thing it's like they can't be like this i don't know man like i'm i'm really scared of the other remakes we've got coming up because i remember some of them i thought were worse than this at the time but I just, time changes. Things. I just, I don't, I've, ne- I've always stood by and am continuing to stand by until proven incorrect that remakes, especially ones that are going to use the crux of the original story are never going to be as good because it's like, it's like making a cocktail. If you have 
a Mai Tai or whatever, and you're like, I want to keep all these ingredients, but I want to approve upon it. You're either going mm-hmm. to add more of something that's already in there, or you're going mm-hmm. to add an additional ingredient and it's going to muddy your waters and it's going mm-hmm. to make it either unbearable or it's never going to make it better. Like there is a reason why there are only a certain amount of ingredients in something and you add or you mess with that and it's going to override it with a distinctive taste or flavor. And I've, I've yet to be proven incorrect out of all the podcasts that I've done with this. The original is always my favorite and it's not, I don't know. That's just how I've always felt. And here it's the same where it just feels like people throwing darts at a wall and then saying, we'll use it all instead of, but this is the thing is I agree with what you're simple. saying. But you're saying, I know I agree with what you're saying and they're not keeping it simple, but I think 50% of what you're saying is like, yeah, don't do what they did before. And they don't here. That's the thing. To be fair to them. But they, they tried, do way like, too many things. If they would have just had one no, clear exactly. idea and said, yeah. yes, we're no, going to keep it in the seaside town. And yes, it's still going to be about retribution and vengeance, but we're going to go this angle. Then great. But they don't. Like they add too many things. So honest to God, like, I think I, I mean, I think we're all on the same page, just the different extremes. I'm the most extreme, I think. This is one of my least favorite horror films I've maybe ever seen. Yeah. And the original is honestly one of my favorite, uh, but not because I find it scary or anything. I just genuinely like, just from a craftsman point of view, yeah. John Carpenter in his best is a craftsman. And you look like watching these pack to back, like I think we, we all did, the, the difference in directing decisions is just staggering to me. It's like mm-hmm. John Carpenter knows how to use the camera and he's very confident with how he uses it. And I do, I think he has an incredible skill, which I didn't always appreciate, I think, growing up and watching his films. So I'm, I'm, I absolutely love The Fog. I recommend people check it out. And I don't recommend anybody for any reason, not even curiosity, checks out the remake. No. Like, I, I honestly think there's no reason to ever touch it. No. If someone was paying you <laughs> to watch it, I wouldn't do it. Well, I would do it if somebody was paying me, depending on how much they're mm, paying me. Depending on, well, I wouldn't. It, I, honestly, it hurt me. It feels physically hurting me. And it might be, again, because I just did quarantine and that really hurt me. And then next week, we're going to be doing prom night and I remember not being favorable to the remake of Prom Night either. I'm kind so of excited about the remake because Shannon and I, after we finished this, I was like, I can't imagine. So we watched the trailers basically for both the Prom Nights. And the oh, remake really? of the Prom Night looks legitimately good. Okay. It's like. Okay. Well, we'll get there next week. And it's got Idris Elba in it. What the fuck? What? Is it Idris or there. Idris? Because I'm just going to keep saying it. I'm going to keep Idris. doing Idris. both. Idris. Idris Elba, isn't it? I'm just going to, every Idris other Elba. one, I'm going to say Idris, and the other one, I'm going to say Idris. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, I'm going to set, I'm happy you guys are excited. I'm going to set a rule, Plus, though, moving forward. original one has prom night Jamie Lee Curtis, like disco yeah, queen. Jamie Lee Curtis. Two weeks in a row, Jamie Ma. Lee Curtis. Guys. Um, yeah, I'm going to set a rule. Don't watch trailers for the next films. Why? One, because the trailers... No, we've generally always had that with the franchise ones. It's like, one, they spoil so much in the films. I just like to get a mood. I don't want people... Yeah. Like, the fun thing in particular for Shannon, who's seen none of these, is not knowing what's going to happen at all. Um, Whatever. So, yeah. like, one, I was like, yeah, not for that reason. And also just because um, I had another reason and it's gone from my brain. Sounds about <laughs> But right. it was very that good. <laughs> Excellent. Well... Fine. No, it's just like it's way more fun to go in like not knowing what's going to happen and well, not knowing what to expect. I know nothing. And for some of these movies, I can Prom tell night. you, it will definitely spoil things. So. I even like when you guys are watching uh, 
What was it we did before? Ah, oh, fuck, I've forgotten. There's a lot of ones where it's like, I, I recommend going, even watching it through Apple TV, just because then you don't have a menu screen and the menu screen will just give oh. you away things from the film and it pisses me off. It's like, nah, I feel like everyone should just go in not knowing stuff. But anyway, that was The Fog. We did it, guys, in just two hours, 45 minutes. Oh, sorry. Not bad. No, that's pretty good. That's like our normal time almost. <laughs> like a little bit longer. Yeah. But not bad, considering we got through two films. We have a winner for sure. Ding, ding. Original. Original wins. The only bit of trivia I had, which I don't quite understand, and I tried to find this clip online. I couldn't find it. Everyone else can have a search, but I'm going to leave us with this. In between takes in Vancouver, press were granted access to the set. During Selma Blair's interview, director Rupert Wainwright made a joke that she did not like. And in response, Blair reached into a shirt, pulled out a rubber falsy, and flung it across the conference room at the director, deadpanning, that's the Adrian Barbeau from your part of, your, of the role. Ooh. So I don't know what happened there. I don't know how serious it was. And I couldn't find that clip, but I really want... I spent ages Googling Selma Blair throwing <laughs> fake boobs across the rooms. If you want to uh, send Shannon your bra size, you can do that by going to Twitter. Katie. You can not send me your dick pics at <laughs> my dearest Watson on all social media handles. And I'll take whatever you want. It doesn't matter. I'm Mr. Al White on all social medias uh, and also... On the Xbox, if you want to play the video games, and you can support our feature film Starfish by going to starfishmixtape.com, where you can learn where we're going to be playing soon. Or, wow, where are we? Yeah, pretty soon. And how you can watch the movie and support us. There's a little teaser there. There's social media stuff. All that fun stuff. If you find, want to find out what we're doing. Uh, we're a production company called We Are Tessellate, run out of Tokyo, London, and LA, making feature films. And we're going to be making other weird stuff in the future. Um, we'll be back next Friday to talk about the Prom Night movies and the last of our Jamie Lee Curtis movies, I'm afraid, guys. But hey, there's, there's Leslie no. Nielsen as well. So, you know, no. happy days. Until then, we're out. Geeks. Geeks. Geeks.